Trash. Trash. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is a singer-songwriter, folk, country songwriter, one-man band, a poet, a painter, even a little bit of acting in his younger days, uh, Andrew Ellis. He is a fantastic one-man band act, and um, I actually should be at the show right now, but I've been working all week to try to learn a bunch of music for a project that I'm coming up, so I can't go to his show. He's playing every Wednesday at the Village Idiot in Maumee, Ohio, which is in Toledo or outside of Toledo. Uh, he plays there every Wednesday when he's not like in Spain or in Europe or in Tennessee somewhere eating fried chicken. Anyways, um, love this conversation. One of my favorites. I know I have a lot of favorites, but this one is one of my favorites. Uh, fantastic mom and pop shop. Uh, Mary and Andrew and, and little Hank and they have a daughter. I don't know her name. I met Hank. He gave my son a Spider-Man outfit. What a guy. Um, I love it. I, I love the mom and pop thing because uh, Mary has started her own company who she helps with the booking and uh, and all that good stuff and that's actually when I reached out to Andrew I was talking to her at first and I was able to meet them uh, at the Glass City get down here in Toledo and uh, and I'm just really happy we we're able to work this out she actually has her own booking company it's called pull the trigger booking and you can get a hold of her um, I don't I don't know if she wants me to give out her email so I will not do that but pull the tr- Oh, burp. Excuse me. Pull <laughs> pull the trigger booking and uh Andrew Ellis, of course. You can find him on Facebook. That's really all. Um he has a new album coming out soon and that is whatever the CDs get here. I love that. I love that Andrew is just like it's just going to happen when it's going to happen. <laughs> uh but yeah, uh awesome talk and we'll get to that in a second. But first, write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. Check out the Barren Wasteland. That is the website that only really is there to host the SoundCloud uh, player. Um, there's a couple pictures of there up there, and there's some pizza or something. Leave a review on iTunes. Uh, you can um, friend me on uh, or follow me on Instagram at, at WeSpeakEnglishGood. I'm also on Facebook at We Speak English Good, but I barely use that. And um, you can find me on Facebook at under Mike EP or Mike App. So, okay. Um, today uh, was a very special day. I, I, um, I ran into a little bit of law problems, legal problems, and I'm kind of on this weird little probation things. And uh, I'm almost out of it, and I can almost smoke weed again. That being said, I've been a fucking maniac for the last month and a half because I just, uh, I have all this legal shit coming up and um, I was able to um, kind of sidestep it and I got a second chance, which I'm really grateful for, but I'll never say that to the fucking judge. (laughs) But I'm very thankful. I, I can't really go into what it is. Just know it involves me not being able to smoke weed. So, I um, also, today in the mail came 
um, a very amazing tool. So let me back up a bit. I've uh, been in the market for a new keyboard, and I was going to go with the Nord Electro 5, which um, now they, I think they have the Nord Electro 6 out now, but I'm a Nord guy, and uh, it's the red keyboard. If you ever see anybody playing the red keyboard, it's a Nord. Uh, they're fantastic little fucking war machines. They, they're like 35 pounds. No, not even 35. Jesus Christ. It, they're 25 pounds. 25 pounds of, of fucking pure fire, man. Like, I mean, just roaring fire. Boom explosion emoji. Okay, so I've been in the market and um, I, I kind of squirrel away a little money, whatever. I live in Toledo. You'll do better, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's the slogan here. Um, I, I still would prefer to be in Southern California, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going there. Um, anyways, uh, I've been researching. I finally got up the dough, and I was going to get a used Nord Sta uh, Nord Electro 5, which they are now pretty cheap. You can get them for like $1,700. So I'm looking, I'm looking, and then I, I started looking into the Nord Stage 3. And now I wanted to stay the 73 key. I like 88 keys. It's cool, but I, I'm not... I'm not that technical where I need that low end. I don't need all of that. And I like the idea of something small. Uh, my dream was always to just have my keyboard in one hand or on my back as a backpack because the soft cases for Nords are like backpacks. Have my amp in one hand and my stand in the other and show up to the fucking gig, play it and leave just like that. In San Diego where parking is impossible wherever you go, that's ideal. In Toledo, you can pretty much just park right at the venue and you're fine. But whenever I'd play downtown, I'd be so thankful for my fucking Nord, K, uh, my Nord on my back, my amp, and my stand, and I'm good to go. I was so many times that I have to walk like eight blocks to get to my fucking gig. But it wasn't bad because it 23 pounds on my back for the Nord Electro 2 and uh, you know my little tiny uh, Roland amp it's so tiny it, I love it it's the fucking best it's a little powerhouse and my fucking little uh, stand all good so um, I started looking at the stage 373 and um, if you don't know what the stage 3 is you should google that if you're a keyboard player and you don't know what a Nord stage 3 is fucking google it uh they go brand new for 30 about 3700 dollars. ridiculous right but they are incredible so i uh, start researching and I, and I start you know i start getting this big heart on for the nord stage 3 73 compact i want that i start fixating it i start obsessing over it it starts getting out of hand <laughs> But, um, so I'm looking for a used one. I'm like, fuck it. I don't need a new one. And, uh, so I'm looking on reverb.com. I'm looking on eBay. And finally I'm finding them around 27 to $2,800. That works. That's in my price range. I'm like, let's go for it. So I'm looking on reverb or oh, eBay and I see, I see a used one for twenty eight hundred dollars, and uh, and then so I I always like to look at the at the seller. You know, you want to see those reviews, and they're.
pretty good reviews. I mean, it was like 3.5. and But they've made thousands and thousands of sales. So I'm like thinking in my head, oh, that should be okay. So I, uh, I see the seller. It's called ProAudioStar.com. I'm like, hmm, cool. Okay, well, I'm going to go to the website and see what else they got there, you know, because I wasn't sure what all they had listed. And I don't know. I, I just went to the website. And sure enough, I look for the used Nord, and it's not $2,800, it's $2,700 used on ProAudioStar.com. So I'm like, hell yeah. So I um, I, I kind of had to like split the cards between a couple different accounts, and I wasn't sure how that would work out. I know on eBay, if you want to split cards, you kind of got you got to buy a gift card, and then uh, you can have your your debit or credit card so i called him and see kind of how i can do this and i talked to this guy named mario now if you're going to call priority star talk to mario uh his extension is 1008 uh i talked to mario and he's like listen richard that's my first name uh, <laughs> uh he's like listen uh i could sell you this used one for 2700 dollars, but for 200 dollars more I can get you a brand new one for $2,900. Now, in my head, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Because a new one's like $3,700. I don't ask questions. I don't do anything. I'm just like, here, take my fucking money. So so we made the transaction. They split the cards. They're not supposed to, but he talked to his manager. Everything was great. He, he um, And he did tell me... So he what something that kind of like triggered in my head, they were like, he was like, hey, make sure you call your bank because this is such a substantial amount of money. Make sure you call them and let them know that this is going. there's going to be a charge out of Brooklyn, uh, New York, and that you're okay with it. So there was like a red flag there, but I just figured, you know, you got to split these cards up and it's, it's a weird situation anyways. So he was like, okay, uh, Mike, um, we're going to process this. And you sh- and this was last week. We're going to process this and you should have your board by the end of the week. This was like Tuesday or something. And um, so I, I'm like, cool. So he sends me a receipt. He calls and tells me everything goes through fine. And I'm just like super psyched about it. And uh, so like a couple days go by and I'm like, fuck, I never got a tracking number. So I emailed Mario and I was like, hey, man, I was hoping to get a tracking number uh, so I can make sure I'm home when the keyboard comes. And he sends me another receipt a copy of the receipt and i'm like this is not what i wanted so i'm like no uh, the tracking number is not on here i need the tracking number and he comes back with this whole hey mike uh, i'm sorry to say this but actually you know what why don't i just pull up the email because i'll just make it easier for everybody to sort of be involved into what i'm talking about so uh i'm like Hey, Mario, I was looking for the tracking number that FedEx provides to track the package so I can make sure I'm home to receive it. And he sends one back saying, Mike, I'll send you a tracking number as soon as I have it. We had a bit of a delay because Nord gave us the wrong count, but you'll have it by next week, which is this week. Uh, So this was all last week. I'll send tracking. I'll send... I'll send tracking it to you as soon as it's available. Thanks and sorry for the delay, Mario. So in my head, 
this is when the red flags seriously go up. And I'm like, wait a second. WTF. I'm like, okay. Um, thanks for letting me know. Let me know when you get the tracking number. I'll be looking for that number. So, um, I start, I mean, I start overthinking shit. I mean, I haven't smoked weed for like a month and a half. I'm a fucking lunatic by this time. I've just, I've I've just, uh, submitted to the fact that I'm going to have to smoke weed, um, for the rest of my life to maintain a even keel on things because my fucking moods fluctuate like an insane fucking person. Um, probably because I'm a bit insane, but that's okay. Who isn't? Anyways, uh, I start researching because all of a sudden, all those, like, in hindsight, all those red flags start to fucking pop up, right? Like, the 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 kind of not great reviews on Reverb and eBay. Uh, I didn't really read any of the reviews. I just saw, like, the, you know, they charted out for you. Uh, you know, this, the, the call in your bank, make sure shit... Uh, make sure shit goes through and uh, I start doing some research and I'm like maybe I should look up some reviews and see what's going on with uh, this company so I start reading reviews Um, we have um, pro audio star is they do the bait and switch they'll say that they don't have the inventory and then they'll try to sell you something that you don't want um then you have like i ordered this like fucking a month ago and they never sent it i tried to get a refund and it's six months later i still don't have a refund and my heart's racing and i'm like what the fuck is going on um the better business bureau only has a two-star rating for them I find a website that's called ProAudioStarSucks.com. And I'm there right now, so I'll just read you some of it. Widely acknowledged as the worst gear retailer in North America. Scams, theft, hidden fees, bait and switch dishonesty. Now, mind you, I got this email saying like, hey, we ran all the inventory or Nord fucked up our inventory. Let me just read you a few lines from the website. The complaints against Pro Audio Star read like criminal accusations. It's clear they these are not isolated incidents, but stem from a company culture of incompetence and greed. On their Facebook page, furious customers have written a, at length about awful experiences with Pro Audio Star. Transparent attempts at whitewashing can be seen in the content less the content lists five-star reviews posted by foreign accounts. However, the negative reviews are genuine, which is why Facebook's algorithms pushes it them to the top for visibility. At the Better Business Bureau, Pro Audio Star has stopped responding to complaints and earned an F rating. Over on reseller ratings, the negative reviews easily outnumber the positive. Most complaints originate from users with multiple reviews on the site and specifically detail their issues hassling with Pro Audio Star. The positive reviews are comprised of one-time users and are suspiciously combative towards the negative reviewers. Don't get screwed. If you have been taken advantage of Pro Audio Star, leave a review, submit a complaint, and let others know. So there's a whole website dedicated to hating on Pro Audio Star. So this was all last week. This was last Thursday. And I start freaking out. 
a horrible bout of depression hits. I turn into a fucking lunatic. I just lost almost $3,000. I mean, in, the, in my mind, that is what happened. I am fucked. Um, I, I tell my wife, Raina, who's forever positive and a wonderful beacon of light in my life. And she says, you know, just stay positive. That's all we can do. So, of course, I mean, I just have these mental fucking, it's just, it was a mess. I was a mess and moody and sad and and like, plus there's some health issues in my family that we're dealing with. Plus this fucking legal thing. Bobby Long, Bobby Long, Babylon has me by the balls. And now this fucking asshole. And I'm just thinking, I was like, is this what this motherfucker, is this what he grew up thinking? Is this what he wanted in his life? To fucking work for a shitty company? So, I, um, yesterday, or, or today, um, I went to the gym this morning. And it usually takes me about a week of me freaking out about something until I start to r- realize and let go that, hey, we're not in control here we don't have control over anything in this life whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen and today i just sort of let it go and so this morning i'm walking around the house for whatever reason because i pace a lot and i see stuck on the door or on the on this window of the door there's like a window you can kind of look out on the side of the door and there's this form stuck there and i'm like holy shit i was like Oh shit. So I run outside and I look at the form and it's FedEx and I missed the package yesterday, which was Tuesday, the 29th. Today's the 30th. I'm like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. So I call FedEx. I'm like, when can I come pick this up? And they're like, you got to wait until 730 because that's when the guy usually goes out there to try again. So, uh, I get on there, I leave a note for the FedEx guy. I'm like, just ring the doorbell and wait because I'm fucking, blah, please. And, and, and so all day I'm working, I'm learning these songs on my Nord Electro 2. And I'm just thinking like, well, okay, this is good news. I, I'm, I'm really relieved, but it, you know, it's not over yet because there's, uh, there was reports or reviews saying that they received their, the wrong item or it showed up damaged and and it was a nightmare to get the returns so i mean until the last minute the fedex i'm i'm in the middle of a piss and the doorbell rings and i just fucking cut it off and i'm like fuck it i'll piss later and i run out there and i sign for it and i come in and i do a, i did a video that i'll probably release tomorrow um, on Instagram, if you guys want to check it out, it'll, it'll be an unboxing. It's a little silly thing that I did. Uh, it's a silly unboxing, but it is a real unboxing of the Nord Stage 3, and I'm happy to say it is a brand new Nord Stage 3. Uh, it's sitting there. I just spent like an hour and a half just tinkering with it. Uh, I need a fucking bachelor's degree to fucking to learn how to use it, but it's there. I, I, it's It's right in the other room, and and I couldn't be happier. And, you know, I, I don't really know how to say it. All I can, you know, I, I don't, I feel for those people who have gotten fucked by this company. But all I can do is respond from my perspective and what happened to me. And um, I couldn't be happier. My only qualm with the whole situation was is that 
I wish they would have been, um, you know, they would have contacted me before I had to contact them about my tracking number. And when I did ask Mario to send the tracking number as soon as he got it, or he said he would, he never did. And so that's kind of poor communication. But I don't give a fuck. I had to wait an extra week. Oh, well. I probably, I'm going to leave a review. It's going to be four stars, be only because of poor communication. And it made me crazy. <laughs> I hate, I hate not being. Uh, you just got to communicate with me. That's all. I hate no nothing. Dead air to me is just fucking like it, it's death. So other than that, I couldn't be happier. I go through Mario extension one one or one zero zero eight. Um, call him directly. Talk to him. Fucking he'll hook you up with a good price. But buy at your own risk, I guess. I don't know. Like I said, I can't speak for everybody. All I can say was what I experienced, and it wasn't that bad other than what I did to myself. So that's that. I'm super happy to have a Nord Stage 3 ProAudioStar.com. It was the shit. And um, yeah. So, anyways, I know that was kind of a long rant. And um, I'll put the. <laughs> And if you made it this far, congratulations. Um, so I'm a happy owner of Nord Stage 3. Things are looking up. And and, and I only brought up the fact that uh, today I was at the gym um, and I was able to let go after a week of freaking out. And um, I mean, the lesson there is like, you know, stop trying to think you could control everything and stop being a maniac. And um, hey, guess what? In a couple days, you're going to be able to smoke weed again, Mike, me, <laughs> which is going to be awesome. Anyways, let's hop on over to Andrew Ellis. Um, great conversation, like I said, and also we get to hear a brand new song that has not been released yet, and it's debuting on this show today. So please enjoy my fucking incredibly talented guest Andrew Ellis uh, it was in Japan it was from Japan it was um, it was made for a practice piano and it's a it's an electric piano like a Rhodes, similar mm -hmm. to a Rhodes. It has like the tines in it, but yeah. it has like a, that very distinct like um, sixty sound. Like it like it almost reminds you of like almost like a farspa. You know, oh that sure sure. Very, but it's a piano, and it just I mean it's beautiful. Just left it, so now it's mine. Right and on. And that's one of the things that's in my storage unit. I miss that piano so Does much. Does it weigh five hundred pounds like the Rhodes? <laughs> Actually, it's pretty light. I would say it's probably like one fifty. Right. That's still ridiculous. <laughs> right. But it's 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 you know whatever. It's fun. Anyways, um, thank you for doing this. I appreciate yeah, it. I'm absolutely. sitting with Andrew Ellis. He is a Toledo local, but you you get around, right? You get around. You you just came off of a... Came off a couple weeks uh, down south, uh, down in uh, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, I think. Uh, you uh, 
do you go down south a lot? Is south like a, a good place for you to be? I mean, I know deep, you have like that southern sound. Yeah, that. deep south has been really great to us over the past, I don't know, like five, six years. And unfortunately for the past like two years, I haven't had a chance to get down there because of touring Europe and stuff like that. So I was, oh, taking, man. Up, <laughs> I was taking up a lot of time. So what? Okay. it was nice to be back down there and see a bunch of friends that I hadn't seen in a few years. Wow. So what took you to Europe? Uh, I mean, besides music. Yeah, music is pretty much it. Wow. The uh, I got hooked up with a booking agent over there, and now I'm going to be, I think, on my fifth European tour in the past couple of years. Oh, shit. So so you're doing pretty well over there, it yeah, seems. Yeah, they doing pretty good. Yeah, they what? keep paying me, so I keep going over there. <laughs> that's like how it works. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to pay me the money, I'll go over there. Mm, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So what, uh, what parts of Europe were you hitting? Uh... Let's see, Spain, France, Belgium, Denmark, Switzerland, Germany. We've also done Sweden, Finland. I think that's it as far as Europe. France, I don't know if I said France. And then we just got an offer to do, uh, to play a festival in india for next december oh my god which i've always wanted to go there well, yeah and that one's gonna i'll be over there for three or four days so it'll be a wow. quick trip they're just flying me in to do this gig and then and flying me back out that's awesome yeah okay. i'm really excited about that one yeah i'm sure that's like the most incredible thing is how music can like take you to these incredible places mm -hmm. uh my band one of the reggae bands that i play with we just got flown out to hawaii um, nice Wakiki or Oahu. Oahu is the island. Wakiki is the city. And I didn't know that. I just thought like Wakiki and Honolulu were all their own islands. <laughs> sure. I'm an idiot. Like, I just right. assume everything and research nothing. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's amazing uh, what, you, what this shit does. Um, so what, how, is it, how were you received out there? Like, do you feel like that you're a little bit more well-received over there or over here? Like, what, what's... Um, I don't know. I, I'm pretty well-received everywhere that I go. Um, over there, they have a lot more, like, smaller festivals that are going on all the time. So okay. to get on to something that's, like, 5,000 or 10,000 people... Uh -huh. Uh, they, I think that there's more opportunity in doing that over in Europe as opposed to, uh, you know, grinding out a bunch of bar gigs here in the States or around Toledo and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And, and, but but you, uh, you work pretty regularly here as well. I play 250 gigs a year. Okay. Two, 240 to 250. I think I'm going to be a little bit lighter this year, so maybe around 240. Is there a reason for that? Kids, man. Kids, Got kids family. and family to support, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. Plus, that way I can, I mean, I'll always be sharp. You know, I don't need to rehearse for anything. Right. Occasionally I have to go back through and, like, songs. That, like, if I have, like, a singer-songwriter showcase where I'm going to be playing mostly, like, ballads that I've written that I don't necessarily play in bars all the time, I'll have to take, like, a day to rehearse. But yeah. that's one of the beauties of being a one-man band is that you don't need to call everybody together to get shit done you just sit down and do your work when when did you decide i mean because like i assume that you've had bands over the past yeah. few yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean and and like anybody who's been in a band knows that that can be the biggest pain in the ass 
getting uh, egos and mm-hmm. personalities and different talent levels together to like produce one thing that that you know that that you're trying to present uh, when when and what sort of like made you go into the one man band we had i was doing like a power trip i'd stripped it down because i i've even done like six piece bands and stuff like that when i was younger when i didn't have as many bills to pay but then kept stripping it back stripping it back did a power trio that was basically like a blues rock thing and then i had friends that own bars and restaurants and stuff like that that wanted me to play acoustic gigs and then so i picked up an upright bass player and he and i worked as a duo and we realized upon that or at least i realized then how many more venues that opened up um but then throughout time my schedule got too busy for him and he didn't want to be on the road uh as much as i did so i started with a kick drum and then went from there you know now i have four different kick pedals that i use to make the beats and stuff like that and so you uh, like from the videos that i was watching because I haven't seen you live yet. Um, I, I just missed you when at that Glass City Get Down. Right on. Um, so you were tearing down. So you, I saw that you had a kick and you have a snare. What else do you got? Tambourine and cowbell. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you got four different things doing all this stuff. And did it take you a little bit to kind of get that? That's yeah, that's why I kept adding like one at a time. Like oh, at first okay. it started with the kick drum and then I was just like – slamming through shit like four on the floor you yeah, know yeah, just yeah. trying to make something to uh to fill up the space and then i think i think i uh put the tambourine on next okay. and then snare and then cowbell yeah. and there's other crap that i'm gonna add to it but i haven't gotten around to it yet it gets kind of expensive and plus like carrying all that shit is yeah a pain well, yeah, like that's what's cool about just being like an acoustic, someone who's a soul musician. Just you show up with your guitar, you plug in, let's go. Mm-hmm. But then you start adding in all this stuff. It's like you have you're basically setting up a drum set, mm-hmm. and that's well. And I knew too that like it's hard to captivate uh, an audience of like thousands when you're just up there with your acoustic guitar. So yeah. I knew that I needed something rhythmic to work with my music to give it more aggression sometimes more aggression sometimes just more color um so that's you know that's the reason why i did that yeah yeah totally man and i mean like uh, obviously it goes with your music really Mm -hmm. well because you play uh, like a folky country sort of what would you describe yourself as we've been calling it americana but that's like such an umbrella term and like I think my stuff's a little bit, I guess, can, like dark roots. Yeah. You know, it's got a little totally. bit of a more melancholy vibe to it than most of the Americana bands. Right, is, so. right. Yeah, because you, you, the content, uh, you speak of like some like real deep shit. Like mm. you're talking about drug use and yeah. violence and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And it reminds me of like those, like the 70s, like the Merle Haggards. Sure. And, uh, and even like going up to Hank 3, you know, like because Hank 3 is just he just threw it all on the fire <laughs> right. it just it goes crazy um are, are you familiar with sturgill simpson oh, of course yeah yeah man like i i like shout out to chuck bartels oh yeah who's the that? dude his bass player oh nice is that a buddy of yours kind of yeah kind of nice shout out to chuck mm. yeah i just i'm just falling in love with sturgill simpson like his music of course not 
not the man. <laughs> right. But yeah, why not? I love him too. Uh, so, uh, what what's your lineage with music? Like, where, do you come from a musical family? Or? Uh, yeah, my grandfather helped design the second synthesizer ever made with Robert Moog. He no was shit. a composer for University of North Texas. Um, my dad played trombone. My uncle Joe plays clarinet. He's played the White House a couple of times. Aunt Paula played cello. Aunt Pat played violin. Um, uncle Ron played guitar. Like he was kind of a, the hippie of the bunch. But my present for like my mom and my dad never wanted me to get into music, and it was like <laughs> it was like uh, pulling teeth when I was younger. Uh, they just didn't want me to have any part of it. They thought I was just being irresponsible. Oh wow! And and coming coming from a musical family, is it because of like they've seen the life that kind of not really me? because like, most of the, most of the folks that were in music that were in my family, it was like you know like a collegiate thing. Yeah, you know, like classically trained, and so it wasn't like dirtbag punk rockers, <laughs> right, you know, right. or like yeah. Um, and I think it took, especially for my mom. I think it took many years. Uh, of doing this to convince her. And now she's got this great line when people ask her what I do and she tells them that I'm a musician. Her friends are like, well, is there any money in that? And my mom's like, well, he hasn't asked me for money in a long time. So <laughs> either it's going well or he's asking money from somebody else. Oh, man. You know what? Shout out to moms <laughs> yeah, <right>? everywhere <laughs> for, you know, like starting careers, <laughs> musical careers always, all the time. You know, like, uh, yeah, it just... I don't know where I'd be if I did if I my parents weren't at least somewhat supportive. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least so I could live. Um, it's funny when people sort of when you tell people you're a musician and they're just like, mm, "Well, what else do you do? Yeah, what do you do for like, your day so, job?" Yeah, exactly. And then you're just like, "Well, no, that that's my job. This mm -hmm. is what I do. I play music." Uh, what What do you think that is? What, why do you think people are so uh, so just I don't know. Why do people react like that? I don't, know. I don't know. It's probably the same people that don't buy music and don't want to pay the cover charge. <laughs> you know, so they're <laughs> so they're shocked that yeah. somebody's able to scrape out a, a small existence off of off of being creative. You know. Yeah. Well, and 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 when I look around, this is. I mean, your house is beautiful. Thanks. Like you live in a great neighborhood. It's not like you're like in any means looks like you're a. Weeds, we stick out in this neighborhood. <laughs> I, can, I can guarantee that. Not, not everybody that lives in my neighborhood looks like me yeah. or, or us. Right. No, I, I kind of, in the same way, of an, I, I'm in Oregon right mm -hmm. now. And it's like my wife will be out back. Like like this morning, she was out back smoking a bowl. And, uh, and she was just in like her little Hawaiian padeo thing and like a little top running lines. And the neighbors like were surrounded by like a like uh, one of those tracked housing whatever, oh, yeah, yeah. whatever those are called the those things that just pop up and they all look the same and sure, the houses sure. are gross. Um, the you know they they see us and like we just sort of we don't hide who we are. It's, but it's just weird. Like people are so. I don't know. I get I get the negative connotation that musicians have had over the past, but mm -hmm. it's like I, I it, it always surprises me when uh, I'll be, even when I'm talking to a family member and they're just like, 
music is like what what do you what are you doing like like you're throwing your life away <laughs> like, right. like like you've decided to just take your life and flush it because you chose to pursue something that makes you happy and is fulfilling mm-hmm. which is really weird um it's a weird concept that people see like a fulfillment of life as like uh, as, as as a negative thing and especially in this part of the country is uh, it's very working class it's sure. Toledo count is a hard-working city that you know we have a lot of history of the automobile industry and stuff like that so um so when did you when were you allowed to start doing music pretty much when I moved out of my parents house <laughs> um, I'd, I'd been in like punk rock bands like when I was like you know mid-teens and stuff like that and then my parents had got me a couple of tapes that shows you how long ago it was. <laughs> like Stevie Ray Vaughan and B.B. King and stuff like this. And I started listening to that, and I was like, man, I like this, but I know that there's something raw, more raw. So for, like, my late teens, I was trying to bridge that gap between, like, punk rock and blues. Mm. And uh, at the same time, learning how to play harmonica. Um, so I ended up picking up a gig when I was, I think, 19 years old, uh, playing harmonica with a blues band. And we were playing, like, two, three times a week. I still had a day job, of course, um, but that's probably when I started really getting my feet wet with it and actually getting paid for it. Oh, okay. Um, just being like the token white boy in blues bands. <laughs> Around <laughs> here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, with uh, Devell Overton, Andre Wright, Clarence Haywood, um, and a myriad of other people that it was kind of a revolving door of blues players. Um, yeah, and that's kind of where I learned most of my blues chops and stuff like that, but it was mostly harmonica uh, and a lot of jump blues and stuff like that. But then from there, I started going into more of like the hill country stuff, you know, Junior Kimbrough and R.L. Burnside, T-Model Ford, all those types of guys. Um, and then started putting my own bands together that uh, some of them success. Poe Ditch was pretty successful. Um, Poe Ditch, I, yeah. that, that's a familiar... Now, how long ago is that? That would have been... How long ago? Is that 20 years ago, probably? Almost? Oh, uh, yeah, because I was bartending at the 80s, I think. So. Yeah. Yeah, probably about 20 years oh, ago. Right. That, that's so familiar. It's like, uh-huh. I, I just have this memory of what Toledo music scene was before I left in, like, 2005 or 2006. Right. And, like, now I'm back here, and it's completely different. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's not how i left it right and which is amazing i i really love the fact that toledo has kind of come up because i left toledo because i was just like i'm not dealing with this shit you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm I'm gonna go somewhere and like try to figure things out so coming back to that is actually been really beautiful uh so you you were doing bands and stuff and when did when did you stop the day job like what was that moment that was i had gone into agriculture and worked as uh, like a fumigation specialist, auditor, and everything with a background in entomology, like study of insects and stuff like that. Um, Wait, like in college? Like you went to school? No, I went to, I did my own education and just got a bunch of certifications um, through this company that I was working for. But it was really dangerous. Uh, There was like the, the, (laughs) when we would gas a building, it was considered an ILDH environment, which means immediate life death hazard. So if any of my systems failed, like my contained oxygen or anything, I would be dead within five minutes. Jesus. So, and that's what I had to do every day. Um, 
so Mary and I had discussed me getting out of that because it was dangerous and I didn't want to do it anymore. It wasn't making me happy or anything like that. And yeah. I was gone all the time. Um, so we gave ourselves, initially we gave ourselves a five-year plan to get all of our debt and everything paid off. But then uh, we ended up pregnant with Hank. So we changed it to a two-year plan and paid off all of our debt, bought a couple of rental properties. And then uh, that was just to pad the income until uh, until the music took back off again. That's interesting. So you've always had a uh, sort of an entrepreneurial entrepreneur hustling man yeah Yeah, yeah. you've always had that in you uh do you have that a lot in your family like uh you have like entrepreneurs in your yeah my dad had a steel business that he had run with a partner for a while um but i think me and my dad are different Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm not exactly sure i guess I've had a hustle when I wasn't too drunk or stoned when I was younger. <laughs> I think there was a period of time where I had no ambition at all, mm. except for maybe playing music. But now understanding like my responsibilities as an adult and a father and stuff like that, you know, there's obvious things that I need to take care of. Yeah, yeah. So, so drinking was, was drinking and doing and whatever else you were doing was that something that you picked up at an early age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Especially like, the booze. Now I only drink like twice a week maybe uh-huh. if, that, if that's and it. are you drinking just to be social or are you drinking to get a buzz i enjoy it yeah. don't everybody enjoy it <laughs> I, enjoy, I love it so much that i had to stop oh gotcha <laughs> how long has it been for you five years right January. on that's how that's how long i was off i just started drinking again about two years ago oh really mm-hmm. and when you went back to it was it I mean, obviously, you're probably going back to a diff- from a different perspective. Oh yeah. And so now you, it seems like you have more of a respect for it rather than I, I definitely, taking out your emotions you didn't know how to handle. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think that I'm trying to cover anything up with it. And like, I don't drink and drive. I don't right. do like like if there's nights that I'm going to be drinking, then that that it's like planned ahead. Yeah. You yeah. know, like we want to make sure that. I do it as responsible yeah. as responsibly as I can. Right, right. Ubers and checks. Exactly, we got, exactly. We got, we got that. Text, text the bar owner. Hey, can I leave my shit there <laughs> yeah. overnight? I'll come pick it up tomorrow. Okay, so so you came back to it with more of like just like I'm gonna have fun with it now, like like what you thought you were doing in what your like early twenties or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's kind of. I've been thinking and about it too. And I like think a, earlier, I think when I was younger, I think it was more depression than anything mm-hmm. that I was trying to cover up. Yeah. Um, and But I don't even think that there was necessarily like, even when I had stopped drinking, I don't think that there was like this like grand realization that like, oh, well, this is where I was fucking up. You yeah. know, that's obviously what the deal was. It <laughs> right. was like, okay, now I realize that I was screwing up, but I'm just sober and looking yeah. at it, you know? It's like... Yeah, which is, is sad at the moment, but as you get past it, it sort of is, like, the greatest thing ever. For me, it was. For me, it was... Because, like, personally, uh, my 20s were a blur. And I moved out to California when I was 23, and then, I mean, I just went off. and mm-hmm. Drugs, needles, all that awful stuff. Sure. Um, and then I met my wife, but uh, I couldn't hold a band together. I couldn't do anything. I, w- I couldn't get hired. And it was only because I was just fucking smashed. Mm-hmm. So I turned 30, and my wife gave me an ultimatum. You know, 
bless up my wife because she fucking she sort of helped me on that and all of a sudden i was able to work as a musician right <laughs> go figure so and like, it's weird because in this business you know like even especially at an early age there were so many like bar owners and promoters and stuff that thought it was great to see me like guzzling a bottle of whiskey you know it was <laughs> yeah. like so like to have these that having all of those outside pressures on you and like you know and everything's free you know like <laughs> yeah. drugs and booze are yeah. free so it's like well, it's almost you know you trick yourself into thinking like, well, I'm losing money if I'm not if I'm not drinking everything <laughs> right. in, the, in the in the in the building. The rationale of like a true alcoholic, <laughs> right? And it's like if I don't drink it, then it's like I'm not even getting paid, <laughs> right? Sons right. Of bitches. right. I need a raise. I need a raise <laughs> if I'm not going to drink this. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's funny how people. Um, now, were you a happy drunk or are you angry drunk? Like, what was your? I don't. A stupid drunk. Stupid. There was a lot more fighting though when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not in the family, but in no. like yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I got what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. When I quit, she said that I was boring. Oh, so. yeah. Well, that's 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 exactly is, what happened. Which to is me. like, which is a hard thing to deal with when you're a few years sober and your wife keeps saying you're so boring these days <laughs> it's like because oh, when, when you quit were you like your motivation for like going out and like hanging and stuff no was i was still of- going out all the time and i told mary that she should continue to drink because you know she doesn't drive or anything so it doesn't matter yeah. you know um yeah, we were still going out i was still playing you know 240 gigs a year or whatever and it didn't bother me. I quit. I quit cold turkey, hmm. and didn't do any meetings or anything, and just uh, stopped. And then, like a year later, quit eating meat. Oh. Then did that for four years, and then felt like I was. I felt like my existence was being based off of the stuff that I didn't do, hmm. and it was a really weird change for me when i started thinking that way and i'm not saying that everybody should drink or you know like but i I figured out at that point after like five years that i wasn't gonna i I was gonna have beers from time to time i was gonna eat meat from time to time and i i I didn't want to have myself feel guilty from that Mm -hmm. because i think that's what really starts to fuck you up is when you start feeling guilty about stuff and you get depressed about it and then you immerse yourself into you know more bad decisions right you know right yeah, it's weird because like you don't even see it. You're not you're not really even seeing it happen when it's happening. You're just mm-hmm. like, I'm just going out and fucking hanging out, right. man. Like right. I'm just having a good time with the right. boys. Right. And it's really you're like, you are saying I can't have a good time? <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, and then like once you step away from it and you have you know you have a little bit more clarity, uh, you kind of see like, oh yeah, I was really running away from a lot of emotions there. Right. Um. When you stopped drinking, did any other, like, emotion kind of, like, take over? So, as in, like, for me personally, once I stopped drinking, uh, uh, an anger problem emerged. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And, and, like, that's... That, that's what I've been battling now. Like, that's my battle now is, like, just being um, just just for stupid shit, you know? Just, like, it could be the dumbest thing, and I'll just be set off. And it's just See, I used to have tons of that. I started getting that way when I was a teenager and getting, mm. like, really aggro about shit. Yeah. And I think when I was 
early to mid 20s i started working though i was still drinking but i had uh i had really worked on getting myself to be more easy so maybe the fact that i had already kind of gone through that and analyzed that part of my personality Mm. that's why it didn't rear itself when when i had quit so so there was nothing really that came out of it other than you just sort of had an outside perspective i was just curious you know like so i i know like for some people i know who got sober like certain things just come up and like you're just like whether it be anger or just being sad or whatever it is that you were trying to cover up or be you know running away from Mm. drowning it out sort of reemerges and because i didn't do the program either i didn't do any aa either and and like my sister did because me and my sister both were like (laughs) the same people when it comes to drinking and I wasn't a friendly drunk. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was the asshole, like, screaming at people and starting fights. And st- starting fights I couldn't finish, too. <laughs> like, I, I am not a fighter. And, like, for some reason when you're drunk, you think you are. It's like, oh, you know. And so I'd always end up face down in the gutter. And my wife would just be picking me up like, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, and, and, and shout out to the wives who stick with <laughs> Stick with the drunken assholes. <laughs> hey, man, it's, I know it couldn't, I know it's not an easy thing. And um, that's cool. So, like, um, when, when you're a teenager, you kind of had more of an anger thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you just sort of, and so did you start, like, abusing alcohol and stuff when you were in your teens? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably right. late teens. So I don't think I don't think that I drank until I was. I think I had had a little. I had started drinking a little bit when I was like maybe fifteen, something like that. But then didn't start drinking again until I was probably eighteen, seventeen, eighteen, something like that. That's cool, man. Well, not cool. That's cool, <laughs> that's cool man. Hey, fifteen-year-olds. Right. Real cool. Well, the drunk. problem was I could grow a beard at fifteen. Oh. Okay. So my friends with my friends that were. 16 17 years old used to pick me up and take me to the liquor store because i was hairier than all of them so i'd go in and tell them that i didn't have a driver's license because i didn't didn't. have a driver's license (laughs) right (laughs) yeah so you were you're the point guy Mm -hmm. it's like go get andrew he's gonna go buy us our tonight's party yeah two cases of gobel (laughs) (laughs) oh god are you are you um now that you you know you're a little bit more refined with your drinking do you do you go for the higher end stuff or are you still like a budweiser guy oh i hate budweiser okay i, I like hipster beers you yeah. know heavy ipa i like stuff that smells like weed yeah. you know <laughs> um i like that and then uh just from it sounds weird but from tour in europe i've i started drinking rum hmm. because they didn't have the embargo with cuba Oh. So I, you know, you can find real rare bottles of rum over there that, that that we never had in the United States. Oh, so even though the locale is two thousand miles further away, right. you can you can find that shit over there. <laughs> That's awesome. So you, now you now you like to sip on a little rum, <laughs> right? Well. That's nice. Drinking Cuban Cuban rum in Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so 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 you so you were doing the agriculture thing and you set this five-year goal for yourself Mm -hmm. and so i mean when you so did you quit your job or did you get fired like what 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 was that (laughs) 
There was, I was, uh, I went through a bout of depression. There was like two or three times that this has happened while I'd worked for this company. It, it rears its head every couple of years. Luckily, now that I'm doing my own thing, I haven't had a problem with it. But working for somebody else and working those dangerous positions, I would get depression. And then this last one, I didn't, I didn't call in. I could work my own schedule, but I decided that I wasn't going to work that day because I was just staying in bed. And then that turned into like two days. And then I decided to get out so I could play a gig on a Tuesday. And then the guy didn't even call, my boss didn't even call me to tell me. He called my wife and was like, hey, Andrew's fired. We're going to come over and pick up the pick up the work truck, which is a total violation of like the, 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 the job standards or whatever in mm. in, uh, in the United States. So I had filed for some unemployment after that. There you go. Took some time to figure some stuff out. Nice. And and, mm. that, and that sort of allowed you to give you some time, bought you a little time mm-hmm. to sort of... And we had already, you know, we had already been working that plan that when I got fired, the last year that I worked, we had a brand new baby. I worked six days a week on call seven and played 191 gigs on top of it Damn. yeah yeah so we were already on our way to dividing or you know separating ourselves from my from my day job but it happened just a little bit sooner than what it would have yeah just it's not the first job i've gotten fired from right (laughs) that's how it happened for me i got fired it's weird because you get pulled you get pulled in these directions, and especially with a baby. And I mean, that was really similar to what happened with me. Was that um, I was working this shitty day job, and my wife was in the process of starting this art business, and um, so I was helping with the business. I was working this sh- awful office job, and, and like so, I was working an office, which is prison. <laughs> right. I mean, like it's a pr- like for someone who like who constantly needs to be like you know either in motion or like thinking about something or like doing something task oriented it's like prison man like you just those fucking walls are just closing in on you every day and it was terrible so i that job was just slipping but it was like one of our main sources of income while we were trying to get our stuff together and then we had the baby which is a whole new set of stresses that you Mm. don't even know about was that your first when we have our our daughter is nineteen, but she's my stepdaughter. So I've been helping raise her since she was five. Okay, so you so you had a little you had a little you, you were hip to the game a little sure, bit, sure. So, but never this newborn. Yeah, all no the diapers. I had and, no yeah. idea how many diapers we were going to go through. Little shit machine. Man, it is immeasurable. <laughs> it is. It it's like, like we need to figure out a way to turn that into a fossil fuel. Like right? why can't we like dirty diapers? Pow, yeah, power our power our our society on baby shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, we got fountains of it, right? Man. <laughs> we got fountains and like those shit fountains, man. Especially when they're still nursing, it's just uh, like <sighs> just little chocolate fountain of hell. Um, yeah, so it was it was like a it was like a really tough thing, and and then just one day like i got caught up in some bullshit at work and they're like oh look you're done and and there's nothing there's nothing worse than having to come home to your family and be like hey i got fired i don't know what we're gonna do for see that's what was i guess better that he called mary because mary just like knocked on the bedroom door and said hey you're fired (laughs) (laughs) that's that uh what at that time was it 
was it like financially inconvenient for you? Like, did that put a big stress on you guys, or was it sort of like, ah, eh, fuck it, I this? Don't is- think it, was- it wasn't too bad yeah. since we had already picked up a couple of rental properties uh, and stuff. Well, and he was just able to go start playing music again yeah. more often. So. Yeah, so you just picked it up, you just ramped it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny when you're putting the well. I mean, it seemed like you had your shit together at least. <laughs> not, <laughs> right, right. Me, not me. I just was thrown out to the wolves. <laughs> like, I don't know what we're gonna do. We're having a yard sale, and hopefully we make enough for rent. Sorry, family. I like rice and beans. You like rice and beans because that's what we're gonna be living <laughs> off of. And luckily, they do love rice. And beans. <laughs> right. My son, my son. I, when I left my son at my mom's. She was feeding them a rice and bean burrito. <laughs> right so, on. That the peasant feed is their that's their jam for sure. They love it, and that's okay with me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So so you sort of made this transition, and and you've so you you've been battling depression and stuff like that. For it, it seems like it gets pretty bad when it does hit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. You're like floored and just the the in bed thing. Mm-hmm. Is um, now uh, as you started like getting into like you know working for yourself and and and, and moving on, y- you're saying that the depression is kind of like has weaned off. Yeah. Yep. And, and what do you what do you think? What do you attribute that to? Uh, I think being able to keep myself active with shit that I enjoy. Mm. Uh, weed helps as well. <laughs> Um, that, you know, over the years I've taken myself off all the medication that the, like, psychiatrists had given me and uh-huh. stuff like that and replaced it with, if I get too stressed out, then I'd go and smoke weed or whatever, you know? It's, it's incredible that it's not just <laughs> given to people <laughs> because that's exactly, like, that's the only thing that, like, keeps me from fucking just being a raving lunatic. <laughs> sure. You know what I mean? Like, it's because my brain operates on a really weird like it's constantly going so like to not have something to sort of t- damper that t- yeah temper it back it's just ridiculous yeah but i mean ohio i mean coming along here right like the the medical thing is kind of going to be in yeah you can get your card right now yeah um but they it's still legal to smoke it which is weird you the, can only vaporize flower. it yeah, yeah. Isn't and then, uh, and they don't have any dispensaries in Ohio, so <laughs> yeah. they have uh, they have reciprocity with the dispensaries in Michigan, so you mm-hmm. can take your Ohio card and go up there. And that's that's what you know, and and they take our Calrec. Our Calrecs are still um, are still good. Oh, yeah. So there, we got a place in Ann Arbor we go to that. It's because you know I'm a fucking grown man. Like I feel <laughs> right. like I need options when I'm buying my drugs. <laughs> sure. So like I need, I like the fact. I mean, coming from California, obviously, it's a different situation. I mean, it was very readily, like, the culture out there with marijuana is just, and it's still weird around here. People are still like, oh, my God, you know? I know. I got a ticket a couple months ago for smoking smoking a joint. Okay, so now was it a ticket for smoking, like, in public? Yeah. Well, it was just simple possession. Oh, um so was it like class four misdemeanor or whatever the lowest whatever yeah, yeah, it is yeah. 150 dollar fine and 105 dollar court costs on top of it um how fucking repulsive i know that's just some repugnant shit man that yeah. is like what what are you doing so i don't get it i thought they decriminalized it that's what they consider decriminalization oh, okay. this was in mommy uh. now toledo the cop would have told me to put it out. Right. He's like, hey, man. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? 
This yeah. was mommy, so they called for backup. <laughs> so they had <laughs> ten like, cop cars. He's so, got tattoos. Seriously, Get him. I was standing in the same spot when the when the guy walked up on me, and when he was calling in my information, he was like, "Do you mind taking a, taking a step back because you're intimidating me?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, I wasn't doing anything, but sh- absolutely, officer, I want to I want to step back for you." Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just the best thing to do is listen to them or else for sure. Like, yeah, and I followed all the orders and everything like yeah. that. And when you pay your fine, it gets taken off your record. Yeah. So, so whatever. Just, but it's weird, right? That's so bizarre. Well, I was talking to somebody about how they kind of will pick and choose. So, like it just depends on how the cop's feeling because the cop can say okay, whatever, but then they can also ticket you. So. Obviously, that's well, he was trying to make it seem like if I was going to be a dick to him, that he was going to take me to the to the county jail, and I'm like, mm-hmm. got no grounds to take me to the county jail. It's a joint, dude. Yeah, literally yeah. a joint. And, and you were being polite, or sure, yeah, sure. You were being but polite. He was also a child. Oh, he was a younger. So he was a rookie for sure. Like 22, yeah. So right. Those baby face little right. shits. So then I went and talked to his boss like a day or two later, who had had arrested me when I was like 20 years ago. Yeah. To figure out the deal with why this ticket was so high, and then went and talked to the. I went through the whole. So talked to everybody that I could. I figured if I was paying for it, I might as well talk to everybody about it. Yeah. Why the hell not? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just. It's just so bizarre to me. The. Just. What the fuck. Anyways, <laughs> okay, so you, so that's when you sort of went into really working for yourself yeah. and, and you guys. Are. And then so when did your wife start sort of start like helping you like manage all this? She stuff? had taken over. And Mary's a, in the room right now. A plug now. for Mary Ellis from Pull the Trigger Booking. hey uh, She had taken over all of my local booking. Mm. And then when it got to the point where I had to start touring again, we were looking for a booking agent, and uh, she was like, "You mind if I throw my hat into the ring?" And I was like, "I would love to, because yeah. then we don't need to pay out, you know, fifteen percent or <laughs> right. whatever." And she's just done an amazing job, mm. you know. But not with just my booking, but I think annually she books like two hundred and what two hundred and thirty to two hundred and fifty different artists. Really? So it's like thousands of gigs. Oh my god! Thousands of I gigs. Didn't, I didn't realize. So you went and made your own business. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and just kind of piggybacked it off of what we were doing. You yeah. Know, now she's got national touring bands, international touring bands. Wow. And I think she's a talent buyer for what six different venues. That's awesome. I love that. That yeah. and that and that's why when I initially reached out, I was like, oh, I think it would be cool, but um, that, to have you on. But I, I get it. I get it. You're you're a behind the scenes person. And um, so what? What then is the criteria then for when you're booking? And I'm sorry, I'm asking you questions. I guess Andrew can answer them for you. I hope what, I can answer them. What What would be the criteria for to uh, for an act to uh, approach Mary and be like, hey? I want to book a tour in America. What do I, you know, I want to present present your electronic press kit. Please know what one is. Please know what an EPK is. Because there are a ton of people that don't. And if you don't have one, if you're a musician, you don't have an EPK, fucking put it together. Yeah. Get video of yourself. Make sure that you have a good video, not just something from a cell phone. Hire somebody and do a live video. Mm-hmm. 
that shows how good you can be. And those are probably those are probably the first two things that they need to come to marry with. But as far as her being an exclusive booker, it's very rare that she will take on somebody. You you probably already have to be nationally recognized mm -hmm. before she takes you on exclusively. Mm -hmm. um, but then there might be a spot. You know, if you're a, if you're a kind of a you know an amateur musician or whatever. Uh, she might have a spot in a local venue that you might be able to fit into. So, you know, there's a wide spectrum of, of uh, there are different tiers of talent that she is hiring as well. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, how often, how often is she, um, is she approached? Like Daily? Daily? Probably. Yeah, I get phone calls and emails every single day. She's like, hey, book me. Right. <laughs> Please. Well, yeah, just send me over your, your EVK. My my what? My what, my what <laughs> is that? Click. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, okay. No, but we're really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, the promise. I promise right. I'm good. I promise I'm good. You haven't even taken $100 to reinvest in yourself. Uh, Why do I want to invest my time on you? Yeah. And that sounds harsh. No. I, but I mean, it's it's true, man. I mean, I understood that logic when I was young. You know, like even my punk rock bands, like you know, we, that was back when you had to send out a press kit. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. now the EPK thing is fucking awesome because uh, we would, you know, we'd spend like five dollars. So every venue that we wanted to play, we would spend five dollars sending out this press kit that had everything, and then probably not even get the gig. Right. You right. know, but. That's what you had to do back then. Yeah, it wasn't totally. just stapling shit to telephone poles. It was <laughs> like trying to work with promoters and management. Come same thing as you do today, but it's just a little bit easier. It is. It's way easier to connect because it's like um, when you're starting back in the day. It, it was like this, like big mystery. Like what the fuck? Who do I even? Where do you even go for this? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like and, and like looking up venue. Like how do you even hear about a venue in another city that might fit you? Like, right. How do you know that? And and now I mean. There wasn't an internet. There wasn't right, an exactly. internet when I started it. Yeah, exactly. Like you're just you're just sort of like pissing in the wind or throwing shit at the wall, seeing what sticks. Hopefully that's what works. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, obviously you navigate through it. What were like uh, what were some of your like the the. Um, so I, I assume that your punk band, were you guys touring a lot or? No, we weren't touring okay. touring much at all, and it was mostly house shows and stuff oh, okay, like that okay. in Toledo. So, so it was just a very amateur punk oh, yeah. kids just hanging out and just yeah. raising hell. Oh, okay. But then the later bands started doing some more touring, you know, once I was moved out of my parents' house and stuff like that. And then now it's, you know, being able to go over to Europe, you know, a couple times a year is yeah. awesome. Yeah, I can imagine. Jeez, that's incredible, man. I, yeah. That's really fucking cool. Uh, so what, uh, when... Did you start um, when you were making when you made that transition into just music and you know like your rental properties and just really working on yourself? Were you still doing the band things like that? Was like, no, I think I was doing the duo at that time. Maybe occasionally had like a power trio gig, but not very often. Mm. And then, so you were like, you were just slowly working towards just being autonomous and right, yeah, like, without, without knowing, I think that people just couldn't keep up with my schedule. You yeah. Know? It's like, I have a very rigorous thing. And like, I also have very, 
I, I, I know the direction that I want to go and like, I don't need people to argue with me about what the fuck needs to happen because, because you know, cause I know. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. You, you, you have a so clue. like, and like, there's very few people that I write music with. And like, when I look back on all the time that I wasted, like trying to incorporate these dumbass ideas that people had, it's like, man, I, if I would have just continued writing on my own years ago, I yeah. would have a much bigger portfolio than mm. what I have now. Yeah, okay. And yeah. It's so, like, yeah, because, like, when you're collaborating with people, like, you have to have, like, compromises and, like... Yeah. So it, my friend has a great thing he says about compromise, which is good and bad because he's very alone in life. <laughs> but... <laughs> but um, He's like, he's like, you know what compromise means in war? He's like, death. He's like, fuck that. No one's gonna, no one's gonna kill a part of me. Fuck them. What was it? Benjamin Franklin said that a, a compromise is when, when both parties end up unhappy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, all you can hope for is like a somewhat of an agreement, you right. know? Like, uh, yeah, man. That, that. It's like you know, here I am, like listening to like heavy blues and like shit like that and then like whatever bass player i'm working with like wants it to sound like a pat metheny song or something <laughs> like that it's like, it's we, like there's no way that we can have like what's next Al we're gonna do an algero number <laughs> yeah right after this like, right after this song where i'm singing about fucking drinking and fighting <laughs> right right <laughs> uh, so with with your writing do you do you uh do you because uh, like Americana in air quotes, I'm doing air quotes. We're gonna just go under the the, the umbrella of Americana. Um, there's a lot of storytelling, and, and that's the tradition of country mm -hmm. and stuff like that, or folk and all of that stuff. It's storytelling. Um, do you find yourself uh, making up a lot of stories as you go, or do you mostly mine from real life like what little, how much of it, is it a little bit of both it's hard it's hard to quantify mm -hmm. a percentage because right. i have i literally have probably close to a thousand pages of recyclable lyrics mm -hmm. that i have stacked up in my office so oh, like yeah. i have like everybody always for some reason the the braggadocious number for a songwriter is 300 i don't know why the fuck it is that but everybody's <laughs> like i've written 300 songs in my life blah blah and it's like should have wrote 10 good ones you yeah. know instead of 300 shitty songs so like <laughs> when i see if 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 i get blocked by something i'm not going to push through this song and waste my time and do it so i'll just set it over to the side mm. and then maybe i'll look through that stack a few years later and find something and be able to create something like that but like so out of the songs that i have yeah there's some some of my stories but not all my shit's songwriting a lot of it's like or not uh not storytelling, storytelling yeah right. it's mostly like a lot of it is almost like vignettes like i mm. take but take a snapshot in time and then think about all of the emotions and everything that are derived around that particular thing it's like maybe not even a sequence it's just one snapshot mm -hmm. you know yeah um and that way you can get a little bit more poetic with it because you can you can you can you can talk about what's going on there but still have it be kind of nebulous you know you mm -hmm. can have like when people look at paintings you know they see a bunch of different shit you right, know, everybody right. sees a different thing and i kind of like that you yep. know instead mm -hmm. of like 
this Johnny Cash where you where you need to be led by the hand, right. you know, through the entire song. I don't I don't think that people are really looking for that these days. I mean, occasionally it's all right, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I wasn't trying to suggest that you're just a storyteller or anything like no, that. No, no, not at all. Like, I, I wouldn't mind being, I mean, if I, if it pays the bills, call me, call <laughs> like, me whatever. I'm a storyteller. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm a storyteller. <laughs> um, so that kinda, that's kind of a good segue into um, process. Um, do you, what, what is your writing process? Do you, like, wake up in the morning, coffee, and then straight to it? Like, what? what I'm a note taker. Okay. Uh, take notes, put it down in my phone, whether it's lines that I come up with, whether it's a melody, anything, I just throw it in my phone. And then every couple of months I take it and start writing all that shit down on paper. Okay. And then we'll either write some songs there out of that or wait and just keep that banked. And then I, I like to have a lot of inspiration. I like to have a lot of inspiration. This sounds funny. I like to have a lot of inspiration that's like documented, but I don't like to like if something pops into my head, I don't like to immediately go after it because I think my opinions are slanted. You know, I might like think that this whatever line it is a really good line and I'll spend, you know, hours and hours trying to make it into a song when sometimes it's not a song. Sometimes it's a poem, sometimes it's nothing, you know. Yeah. So usually I give everything a couple of days. You just sort of let stew, mm-hmm. kind of get a different. Although I wrote three songs for the new album, I think within the span of two days. For this last one, they just kind of fell out. Those are fun. Yeah, I uh, wanted to write a. I'd been wanting to write like a Dixieland song, and knocked it out in like I don't know, like an hour and a half. It was it just like wrote itself. Oh, those are awesome. Wow, those are cool. I'm not. A, I'm not a. I'm not a wordsmith by any means, uh, but I'm, I like to write music, and my wife, she writes the words. Uh, so it, that's kind of our thing, me and right my on. wife. We have this sort of little duo thing. Um, but, yeah, like, what? so will you ever – because, like, okay, so I've been trying different things just because so, uh, me and my wife are about finished with this new album that we're about to come out with, and then so now it's – <laughs> like i'm uh i had this conversation with my wife um because she's sort of doing acting now she's just an actress now um we got to toledo and she just started acting and then she actually got this cool role <laughs> which is funny that you moved from california to, to, to <laughs> ohio it's like i think that's backwards yeah well yeah there was a lot of backwards things in that move but um you know we don't I, i'm not gonna go there at this point um that's just been ran into the ground uh but so she has this like full schedule all summer and she's like i mean it's a legit theater company it's called the purple rose it's in kind of near ann arbor and uh do you know jeff daniels is he's Mm -hmm. dumb and dumber Mm -hmm. um he it's his theater so it's like a legit theater she's getting a paycheck every week to be there and sometimes she's just stretching and sometimes doing vocal exercises sometimes she's just dancing she loves it it's cool anyways uh, I was just like, wow, you got your whole schedule mapped out for you. And, like, this is the first time in, like, years that I haven't really had anything going on. And because I got back here and I just went into this huge depressive mode for the last, like, winter hit. And, like, that never helps that. <laughs> right. And so, like, it's just been this, like, really sad and I haven't been, like, 
meeting anybody. I just been in my mom's house, just sitting there feeling sorry for myself. Um, so like, you know, I'm out of that now and like, I'm doing more stuff and I'm trying to schedule my summer and I'm just like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like you're, you're doing all this cool stuff and I'm just going to sit here like a turd and dry out in the sun. And, uh, so she was like, write another album. What the fuck do you want from me? And then, so that kind of like freaked me out. Uh, because like I've never been in that position where like we're really about to finish the project because we've been trying to put this album together for years we've been together for like almost 10 years and we've been trying to put this album together and oh, now, wow. it's, now it's coming together and it's awesome and 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 um, I really like how we're doing it but um, so when she was like writing another album that kind of like freaked me out so I've been sort of like trying to just sit down and I'll write with guitar and I'm only mentioning this because I because this is what's been helping me is sitting down and just uh i'll I'll pick up either piano or bass or guitar and i'll sit there and i'll just sort of strum through stuff i'll look up different chords that i might not be too familiar with and i'll start putting those together and then i just sort of learning new ways new chords and learning it's a wave of learning and sort of writing at the same time and that's really been helping me so like That's sort of where I've been going with that. I've been just sitting there. It's not like I have a lot of time to where I do this, but it's whenever I'm like doing it. Um, what what is your what is your like way of putting together your songs? Like like as in like where do you find the inspiration other than you know like your phone and saying stuff in the phone? Do you ever just sit with your guitar and just strum it? I mean, like, do you ever have a time where you're just, I'm going to go and write now? Like, yeah, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the only, t- really the only times that I ever write songs are when I decide that I'm actually going to go and, 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 go and work it. on them. Okay. Um, the, uh, and a lot of that, like, like I said, how I transfer everything to paper, um, instead of counting like what a lot of like poets and songwriters do as far as like counting syllables mm. uh to to work with their phrasing basically what i'll do is fuck around find something cool that i like and then go line by line and try to make a melody and read the read the lines and they're all different lengths so yeah. when i do that i can find something that sound cuz i already know that they sound cool because i've looked at them like three different times now oh. now that they're you know transferred to the paper and then once I find something that that the meter fits well with, I can kind of analyze that line and see why it fits that way, and then I'll take that and put it over onto another page and then start writing the song off of that. Mm. Plus, I have a way of organizing it to where on my wall I have on the left side it's verse or, verse or chorus, so that means I only have either a verse or a chorus. In the middle, it's a verse and chorus, which means that the song is essentially halfway done. Mm. And then my finished pile is over here. But even after I finish the song, I usually leave it up there for about two weeks, uh, just in case that there's anything that I need to add to it. Now, do you like? Uh, will you like uh, workshop your songs? Like, if you have a new song, will you like workshop it and like kind of incorporate it maybe into a set to kind of see how it works with a crowd? Do you ever bounce it off a crowd, or is it just like I this never, song? I never really bring attention to the new stuff that I'm putting on mm-hmm. uh, because I. <laughs> Mary likes to remind me that I really don't like other people's opinions on stuff. <laughs> uh, we had gotten the we had gotten the final mix of the new album that I'm putting out this month. Oh, sweet! And uh, 
I was like, yeah, I was going to give this to a couple of people and see what they see what they thought about it. And she was like, you shouldn't do that because you're just going to lose friends. Yeah. You, know, you aren't going to appreciate what they have to say because you don't take criticism well. Mm. I'm like, all right, well, then we'll just release this album and hope that we can sell a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I read somewhere, uh, is this the album that you're going to press the vinyl? We are going to press vinyl. We're talking to a couple people right now. Um off jump, we're just going to do CDs mm -hmm. because I've spent a lot of money over the past couple of months, and I need to make sure that I can recoup some of that before reinvesting. Yeah, totally. Because um, we're all sending Mary and Hank over to Spain here in like three weeks, so they're going to be kicking it by themselves. Oh, wow. Over there for like four weeks, and then meeting me in Belgium after that. That's incredible. Um, yeah. That's so fucking cool. So, uh, did they're just going to hang out? Or yeah. Did, oh. Yeah, because I was left in charge of doing my booking for Spain since I oh. speak a little bit of Spanish and I fucked everything up. <laughs> he left you in charge. That's what Dude. happens. Well, you know, trying to finish up the album and then playing five, six nights a week, and I just That's didn't. Not even it. He just didn't want to. I just didn't want to do it that too. <laughs> so I didn't. Yeah. So now. At the time that I am supposed to be touring Spain, I'm going to be touring Toledo, Ohio, and Mary and Hank and our friend Rachel will be kicking it in Basque Country. Okay. <laughs> you touring, doing the Toledo tour. <laughs> doing the Toledo tour, and they're going to be lying on a beach in, in San Sebastian. Ah, well, well, I guess there you go. It's a lesson learned, right? Right. <laughs> Need to put somebody else in charge of that shit. Yeah, who left you in charge? Yeah. Right. Uh, have you uh, have you ever had like a review of an album or any work that you've ever put uh -huh. out? And like, what, like ever had like a bad review that you took bad, or like, or do you not pay attention to that kind of thing? I don't thing? think that we've really had any scathing reviews. And, like, even I've had personal letters, like, sent to me from, like, big record companies that mm -hmm. I submitted my stuff to that they were like, man, we really like it, but it's just not going to fit with what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they took the special attention to, you know, it wasn't just, like, a form letter, like, yeah. hey, your music sucks, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, um, yeah, I don't think that we've had anything too bad. There, yeah. was, there was one that I know that was kind of, like, I don't know. Didn't like the ballads or whatever, and at that point I was like, "I'm I want to be a tough guy, but sing love songs." You know, and like, that's where I thought my my niche was going to be. Um, and which come to it is a little bit, but now I've expanded on that, so it's not it's I'm not pigeonholed into just being a ballad writer. Yeah. But uh, no, I think most of the reviews have been pretty good, that's and the cool. and the reviews uh, like uh, festival reviews and live pro performance reviews and stuff have all been really good over the past couple of years. Nice. The I'm I'm not being rude. I have questions here that I don't always remember sometimes. All right. Um, oh, we hit on that. Nice. Um, okay, so like you were just talking about, you know, like maybe a phase you went through with ballads and stuff. Um, oh, I still love ballads. Well, I uh, still got, I, got, I, I think I have two or three of them on the new album. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. What, what are, um, yeah, do you mind if we play one of your songs on the show? Um, Not like the new one, but I meant like a song that's already out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll edit it in later. We can put some of the new stuff on there too. That wouldn't bother okay. me at all. Tight. Um, then, do you want to play a new ballad? 
like live or on no, the no 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 I'm sorry yeah I'm yeah we'll play this. I'm gonna edit this in later right on so, yeah um, we'll do uh, let's say the love song for Maria O'Day want to do that one you don't want to do that you don't want I that hate one to, it. you hate that oh. one I hate it. yeah I love that she's what uh, <laughs> what what song should we put on there any other one any other one oh the Wrote Mike is good. Yeah, but that's not really ballady. But we'll put that one on. Yeah, we'll play that one. That's okay. probably pretty good. Well, we don't have to do a ballad. I was just, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. whatever one did you think would be, would be. Yeah, good. Cutthroat Razor is yeah, a good I one. I mean, yeah. I think everything, everything else is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, because of, it's because of a word that he uses in that. Flotsam. Flotsam. She hates the word flotsam. What does that mean? That's like debris, like shipwreck debris. Oh, flotsam. Yeah, and okay. she fucking hates it. She hates that well, word. It does sound, it's not See, a good you know sounding name. Yeah, would, like yeah, we're gonna put that in people's heads. Like oh god, <laughs> flotsam. I don't want to hear the song with the fucking flotsam. <laughs> well, it is kind of an ugly word, but it's it an is. interesting. It's an interesting but word. But it, it's association. It's a, the the song's called a love song for Maria O'Day, who was a stripper back in the 20, 20s mm -hmm. that got stabbed by her husband and thrown into the Great Salt Lake. Oh, okay. Well, nobody found her body for like 10, 11 years, so she literally just floated around like a piece of driftwood, like oh, a piece wow. of flotsam. Yeah. Um, until finally somebody was like, holy shit, that's a mummy. And pulled it up, and she had been from all the salt that's in the Great Salt Lake had been wow. fucking mummified. So, like, the song is a comparison to like her job being a stripper in life uh -huh. end up being the same thing because she was sold to a sideshow oh. and then put on display for like twenty years. Oh, so wow. it was like her naked, shriveled, mummified body. So it was kind of the same. Yeah, it was yeah, like a yeah. Duality between the two. Okay, I like that. But it says flotsam in it, and people are gonna fucking hate it. <laughs> Just that one word. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, you have ruined your career. Yeah. Flotsam. Wouldn't it be funny if it was the word flotsam that just did you in? Right. <laughs> yeah, like that one word. It's like it's like the album wasn't was beautiful until I heard the word flotsam. Now I no longer can be a Andrew Ellis fan. <laughs> right. I will be burning all of his past catalogs. People are gonna hate that shit like the word moist. <laughs> moist, yeah. Which I don't understand really that whole moist thing. People hate it. I mean, like, I, I mean, I guess maybe it's an association with like the vagina, right? Right. But like, but like, um, <coughs> but like, it's moist outside right now, and like, like it just it applies to more things than just. She 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 refers to it as M word. The M word. But I do think like dirty. Moist vaginas. It is. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is, it is the yeah. vagina connotation. I don't think, oh, it's a rainy day out. It's moist. It's, no. just, it's too moist. I like, I, I'm, I get it. I, I get it. You know, like, but it, it's also like, maybe it's also like this uh, cultural thing where we, where people don't understand the vagina, and maybe that's, <laughs> and it's like a male perspective of that, you know, and it's like this thing that men have like embedded uh, into our society. So, I love this podcast. <laughs> we're just it's gonna, 2018, we're just now figuring out how vaginas work. <laughs> they get moist. <laughs> it happens. I mean, it's nothing to be ashamed of anymore, right? Right. Like, you know what? And every month, you know, the moon blood comes as well, okay? 
you know, it, honestly, no, because this was a huge thing for me and my wife. Is me reacting like, oh, I started my period. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> which is highly offensive to a woman. <laughs> and then so there's so much that I learned from just being married in a relationship and like just years and years of, you know, two people existing together in such intimacy. And like, and still as of like maybe a year and a half ago, I'm still being like, oh, come, you know, like, come on. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's trained me now to just be like, oh, I'm on my moon I'm like, that's great, honey. <laughs> but what do you want for dinner? <laughs> and like, and that's how it should be. I mean, right? Like, you know, sure. like, it's not like this, it's not this horrible thing. It's like, this is just what happens. Right, this it's ain't the Middle human. Ages. We don't think right. that you're possessed by some <laughs> demon now where you got to go out to your menstrual shed in the backyard. The, the, <laughs> what is the red, the red tent? Have you ever heard of that? The red tent? There's this book because um, yeah they used to have to go and sit and just the women women would go and and just be bleed they just go bleed and that's what they do, um, and my wife loves that idea only because like when she is menstruating she doesn't want to do anything and like she does <laughs> want to just sit there or lay there and just be bleeding. So she has this awesome idea, which I think it's awesome, is to have like um, like a week like spa thing for women who are just <laughs> just for women who are menstruating, and they go and they like they get they want a massage, they have a massage. If not, they can just sit in their fucking ho- in a nice room with like essential oils and shit, <laughs> and like, you know, and just sit there and and be a woman, and, and like that's. She, Putting like, the power of the menstrual hut into the woman's hands. Exactly. And yeah, making it. better than dying out <laughs> <laughs> Because it's 20 below yeah. and you're in this hut. I read the Game of Thrones books. And uh, by reading, I mean I listen to them on an audiobook. <laughs> and, um, and my wife has the biggest problem with me saying I've read these books because i'm listening to them but i don't what do you, i listened to the book the other day i you know when i'm talking to somebody i was like yo i read this great book like right now i'm reading i'm air quotes i'm reading the quest love book um uh, what is that it's the it's his latest one about creativity and like uh process and shit it's, it's incredible by the way it's just an amazing book and quest love is just the coolest fucking dude ever um but my favorite line in the Game of Thrones. Well, the funniest to me was it was like she's stricken with the moon blood, <laughs> and it's the guys like acting it out, and she's talking about a woman, obviously, and just that line, stricken with the moon blood, stricken like she is like you know like she is diseased or something. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm not saying it's funny because uh, what he say. It's just funny that that's how it was perceived in that kind of time period sure even now people are just like you know anyways let's listen to a song song that's not about menstruation (laughs) it's nothing to do with red tenting uh so what was the name of the song again uh i think we'll probably play cutthroat razor which is a song that me and fish fisher wrote together for the new album all right well Mm. we'll cut to that and then we'll be right back Worse 
Deals haunted old heat Minnesota's been dead long Down in dead in the street You can't even think That your sun gon' shine Papa Pills with a chip on your shoulder Some moonshine Think you ought to take a minute, son I'm a cut for I'm a dead man's savior I'm a moon here to a pack of lies Well, I've been too many stages Done too many pages Just tell. I'm sorry. Obviously, I I haven't listened to this song. Anybody who listens to this podcast knows that this is how it works. We edit the shit in. Sometimes I don't get to hear all the songs. So, 
Anyways, I'm, I'm more explaining that to you than anyone. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The song, the song can be taken a couple different ways. I think pretty much it's about uh, a musician in a bar that's grinding it out, and then some jackass comes in and thinks that he's hot shit and he's all high on high on drugs and whiskey and whatnot, and basically explaining about how tough this career is but it's almost like the the i mean you guys have already listened to it <laughs> even though it's not edited in but uh almost has like the has a feeling of like a murder ballad but without uh you know usually that's directed towards women but this ah. is talking about like basically kicking the shit out of a guy in a bar <laughs> which is not my only song that is about kicking the shit out of a guy in a bar yeah have you have you ever had those experiences where you just got the drunk heckler who's just yeah can't have you ever had to like yeah okay yeah <laughs> you're putting down the guitar and yeah jumping. yeah a couple of times a couple of times most recently probably two years ago something oh, shit. like that yeah, yeah. wow where were you i don't want to say okay I mean, <laughs> but it, but i was on stage wrapping up this guy this older guy probably i don't know 50s 60s something like that is mad because i'm done playing <laughs> I had just gotten done playing like four hours and he wanted to run his mouth to me and say that if I really loved what I was doing, then I would keep playing. Like, mind you, I'm rapping chords. So I'm already like, yeah, I'm already done. And, uh, I was like, you know, whatever. I was just trying to get my way out of this. You know, he's standing on the side of the stage and then, uh, he's like, well, how old are you anyway? And I was like, it's none of your fucking business how old I am. Right. And he was like, well, I'm going to make it my business. And I see him grab his beer bottle like this, like oh. underhanded, and comes to walk on stage, like get on stage. So I'm like, this dude's about to hit me with a beer bottle. <laughs> yeah. So I snatched him up by the throat, threw him down on the ground, and uh, was just like choking him on the ground. Right? Oh, shit. Well, everybody else knows that I'm not the type to get into fights like that anymore. So everybody thought that this old dude had fallen down and that I was trying to help him up. <laughs> so nobody was coming over to help or anything oh. not that i needed any help but yeah so then i let the guy up and then he tries swinging at me a couple times and he's missing and then tries running at me and it was like a bullfight man i stepped to the side and i just ran him head first into like all these steel chairs oh. and then he gets back up and wants to swing on me again we get him outside and uh, the police got called. So I'm standing out front talking to the police, and we're explaining what this guy looks like. Yeah. And uh, as I'm giving him the description, I look over, and here's the guy tiptoeing across the street like he's a cartoon <laughs> character. Like, 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 from him doing this, it's going to keep the cops yeah. from seeing him. <laughs> So they sent one of the cops running after him, and uh, he wanted to, like, fight with the cops, so oh, he ended up spending shit. the night in jail. Because they asked me if I wanted to press charges. I'm like, no, he didn't even land a punch. He was just <laughs> yeah. being a drunken asshole. Right. Um, so, yeah, he, he did his own damage that night. Oh, man. But yeah. I played some really tough places, like a lot of biker bars when I was younger and mm. shit like that. And I was in a motor outlaw motorcycle club when I was younger oh, and stuff okay. like that. So I'm kind of used to people 
getting out of control and wanting to test their limits with me and stuff like that. Gotcha. You know? Gotcha. So you were in a biker club. Now, was this like a, just a biker club just hanging out, or was it like you guys were out doing dirt? I mean, like, I don't want you to incriminate yourself. Yeah, before. I can't say anything on the dirt. Perfect. Yeah, I'm not going to – the <laughs> nice. people that know me know uh, – know what club it is and okay i still have a lot of friends in that club and stuff like that i understand yeah moving on <laughs> so uh so with this new album do you see like a, a jump in in um in like stylistically do you see like a big change i mean yeah you know? this one's all over the board there's Ooh. uh there's singer songwriter stuff there's hill country blues stuff there's dixieland stuff there's country waltz mm. all on the same album um so yeah it's a lot more diverse than the other stuff that i've been putting out now is that is that by design or was that something that just happened because that's just how you what you were doing i think that due to my strong limitations as far as me being a one-man band i think that i try to stretch it more out of genre because of like if I was going to do something that was like just like a blues album or whatever, it would be hard for me to differentiate styles because of the limitation that I have with just me playing all the instruments right. at the same time. So I think it's easier for me to do that. Plus, I enjoy being multifaceted. You yeah. know, I like I like having I like being able to write a bunch of different shit. Yeah. You know? And if I have the capability, then I might as well do it instead of being put into like one one thing yeah yeah totally yeah. um now do you uh, are you sticking to that like minimal like just you and your stuff or were you i abused uh we had a tuba player on the new album <laughs> violin and trumpet okay and i did everything else okay okay um and, like were you playing any bass at all or? yeah i split up my guitar um i run it through a crossover so that the bottom like two and a half strings are sub octave oh shit so when i'm doing like all the country style picking uh -huh. like the boom chick type of stuff yeah, it's yeah. playing a sub octave bass note underneath that oh tight and, yeah. and that's how you perform out too right uh -huh. now oh wow Okay, so wait a you actually went in and you like split it in the pickup itself? I'm I was going to do that. There, this has been a process that I've been working on for years. And yeah. originally, when I came up with the idea, I was going to do two two pole magnetic pickups. Mm -hmm. They were going to be associated underneath the E and the A string of all of my guitars. Okay, and then you would need a secondary output, and then have that run into an octave pedal. Gotcha. But. I saw some demonstration for that OC3 pedal, the, the uh, Boss octave pedal, mm. this jazz guy. And he was like, they don't tell you this, but like there's two outputs. So you can have one run guitar and then the other one run bass. And then there's a range knob on it that's a crossover. Oh, shit. So wherever you want it to be, you just dial it back to where that is. Oh, and wow. since you're running two out, uh, you can have a full separate mix for both of them. Wow. So, and like being able to utilize that in the studio was awesome because we could really, I mean, there's some, there, I mean, granted it's a very rudimentary bass player, yeah, but, yeah. you know, a lot of whole note stuff, but right, right. being able to manipulate those, uh, the frequencies to like, sometimes it sounds like an upright, sometimes it sounds like a P bass, uh -huh. you know, it's like, 
Yeah. That that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. So now it's like so now I'm like a one man power trio. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and how long have you been sort of doing that? That has been two years, I think, since yeah. I incorporated that. Because there was like I've seen other one man bands that were like bringing around like a bass amp and a guitar amp, yeah. and they would do like. They would just roll the mid and the treble off and really crank the bass on that. And I was like, yeah, but it's still the same octave. Right, you know, right, there's right. nothing like, and what I like about the way that I'm doing it too is like playing like larger festivals and stuff like that. That sub octave, sometimes you aren't going to hear it, but it right. makes everything vibrate, mm-hmm. you know. And there's, a, I think there's that, that physical entity to being able to feel the vi- those low yeah. vibrations that gets people hooked into it a little right. bit more. Hell yeah, no. because bass everything, especially yeah. those speakers, man. Like, like I don't really care for EDM music that much, but if I'm at a festival and it's going and there's a big subwoofer, like those big <laughs> right. towers of speakers, yeah. I want to just live in front of that speaker. Like, right. oh, God, bass, just take me. <laughs> yeah, and this, when I'm playing, like, an acoustic guitar with a sub-octave that's going through, like, you know, 20 18-inch fucking subs yeah. under the stage, it's like, man, this is fucking awesome that shit's so tight and like the way like i said the way that it works out so like so all the all the higher strings that i'm playing when i'm doing arpeggios it doesn't make it muddy you know yeah Yeah. that is so cool go a boss and like i am such a like not a fan of boss pedals but that's like all i use whatever man man. they like you can soak them in water and plug them in and they're fine and and then like i kind of i think it's also there's a part of me that just wants to be like have the boutique pedals because i'm fucking fancy or something (laughs) you know because prince Prince always used boss oh hey you can't fucking argue with prince (laughs) just no arguing with prince although there was a lot of songs that sucked ass that prince (laughs) went out but god damn it he was a genius um the uh what fuck i forgot what i was gonna say now, you know what? I, I do use a boss pedal. Um, I use a loop when it's just me and my wife. I mostly get hired for keyboards, but like when it's me and my wife going, it's I play uh, acoustic. And um, I just started recently incorporating a loop pedal. Uh, so now I'm sort of building a loop and I have a sub octave pedal. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'll start a beat just with, because I play a classical guitar. So there's a lot, obviously that's very, um, that's a very, um, percussive instrument and you can use it in so many different ways so mm-hmm. so i'll start to be now build the bass line and then sort of run my chords over it and it's like one of the shitty little like the rc little ones the little fucking loop pedals did, right right did, have you fucked with loop pedals or was that something you were just sort of like nah I've, i have but when i started thinking about this it was i wanted to make it so that I didn't need one, you know, yeah. that's why the foot drums and everything right, like right. that. And like, I had gotten this idea in my head when I wrote the last album, which was called post scarcity that I wanted to be, I wanted to be able to replicate everything that I do live. Even if like there was like, if the grid went down and we had no electricity, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I, I knew that like I have certain acoustic foot drum rigs that I can play and like I don't need any yeah. electricity at all. You yeah, know? you could just so. be set up in the corner. And, mm, and I was go. like, so if, so if I spend all my time working on loops and shit, and then the world goes south, then that's gonna fuck up my whole career. <laughs> because when the world goes south, the first thing they're gonna need is a musician, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not a doctor. Get <laughs> right. that musician over here. We need to be cheered up as people are like, fucking going dying of dysentery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I. 
I don't know what it is, but I've just I went through this phase where I was okay again air quoting fucking reading a bunch of just end of the world shit. I just find it so fascinating. Just I mean, just because in parts of the world it is like an apocalypse. There's like parts of the world where like people are living like there is no electricity there's sure. no clean water yeah over in liberia and yeah, stuff like yeah, that totally yeah. africa africa is always the the big fucking continent of africa uh obviously anyways yeah so i don't know what my fascination was but like it's just i just don't think i would make it <laughs> i just don't think I, I just think that um you know like it would just not work out for me and my poor family <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so when you're uh, recording uh, this new album, did you since you have that uh, set up with your the lo- the low octave uh, E and A and then your highs, did that make it easier for you to do like all live recordings? Yeah, that's essentially what we did. Was okay. we we set everything up with like a shit ton of awesome like neumann mics and nice. stuff like that and where's um, this at what right up the street stone stone soup recordings stone soup uh who who runs that eric sills who is awesome working with him i'm gonna get back there soon yeah and start working on another one is it now were you going digital yeah it's into it's into pro tools mm-hmm. um and then we had set yeah, we literally set everything up like I was playing live, but okay. instead of using uh, a real snare and a real cowbell, because we knew that, or I had thought it in my head, I was like, man, there's going to be too much bleed through onto the other microphones if I yeah. do that. So I changed that to using uh, the piezo triggers oh, uh, cool. on both of those, and then running everything into a uh, into my D drum controller. Okay, and then did. Uh, also had a trigger on the on the kick drum as well as well as had microphones on it so okay. uh and then vocal and then i wanted there's a there was a special way that i wanted the guitar mic'd and it just so happens that eric had had a custom stereo mic it's like a dual capsule uh-huh. neumann 47 that's on uh like a bearing swivel so you can set yeah, yeah. the exact like oh, stereo that you want it's incredible yeah absolutely incredible Ooh. So we didn't even work off a click track. Okay. I just went in there and uh, hammered out the songs, and then and you know we didn't quantize anything. We left everything raw. In fact, we even left some kind of vocal mistakes in there yeah. just because we wanted to sound real. Yeah, yeah. And then overdubbed some solos. You know, overdubbed the tuba, doing the bass line for that Dixieland thing, um, and uh, violin and trumpet, but. Really, everything. I mean, it just went together so smoothly. I think that we did that whole album, and we even did more songs than what are ending up on the album. I think we did it in like six sessions, something like nice. that. Yeah. Nice. And the fact that he is literally two minutes drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes all the difference. Yeah. So, so when you, um, so you did, you laid down all the basic tracks, and then you had the other guys come in. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. I like it. And they're, and they're like the violinist I had worked with for about 12 years. His name's Aaron Rudder. And, and he then, was on the last... Uh, well, I, I, I don't no, know. No, that one was uh, Megan Fitzpatrick oh, that was okay. on, the, on the last one. Aaron was with me in Poe Ditch. So like the older mm. recordings that I have that sound like shredder guitar is actually him on violin, on oh, electric violin. Dude, okay. That guy fucking... I, I think I know. I think I've seen him fucking go shred at Guitar Center... 
Um, because I think he did he fuck with a um, an electric violin. Yeah, he's got a five string electric violin. Yeah, I, I'm almost positive I've seen that guy like <laughs> right shredding shit through like a like a full stack Marshall. Oh, I don't know. Just rip it. I know that you could never possibly know who I saw at <laughs> right, Guitar right. Center that day. But he's I'm, back in town. Aaron's playing around with his brother's uh, John Rudder. That's in uh, Last Born Sons. Man, I wish I knew who these people uh, were. <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just so new to everything again. Sure. I, I feel like I mean like it's weird breaking into a new scene, especially when you, I because I grew with. Well, the see scene. now you can now we'll go around and go and meet these people, and you'll be the designated driver. It'll be perfect. <laughs> this is like this, I, this is I'm symbiosis. Sober. I'm sober. Let's go. Um, the no, like it's just weird breaking into a new scene because like in San Diego when I first got there, the music scene was like very disparate and like you know like not a lot of support from musicians and from people and like you know there was people breaking through but it wasn't like how over the years it kind of grew into this really awesome supportive thing and um so like i grew with that you know over like 15 years you grow with these people and now and now i'm you know now like friends i played with are like touring the world with fucking like the whalers and shit like that so it's like so I grew with this scene and now like I'm coming back here and and it's like weird because like I've never had to really break into a scene like that before I, I just grew with one and and so now I'm just sort of I'm just now getting back into it and like trying to figure things out and I'm gonna go hit up some jams and shit just so I can just meet people and mm-hmm. just, just you know the normal shit you gotta do to fucking <laughs> like meet people and right. stuff so it's it's been fun and this has been helping actually like just talking to people because this is just interesting to know what's been going on um especially so in the last you know i don't know since i left in let's say like 2006 since then you know there's been a lot of uh there's been growth in the arts community here oh yeah and um i've been asking a lot of people who've been here been you know been here doing the work I was like, what do you, what do you attribute this like growth in like the arts community here in Toledo? I have no idea. Nice. <laughs> I, I really don't. You, you, um, you just operate in your like bubble, huh? Yeah, because I mean, I would, I would still be, I would still be grinding this out regardless of what was going on mm-hmm. locally. I think you right. know, like. Because when I got into it, you know, I wasn't making much money and playing, you know, the, you know, downtown Toledo at that time was just like, there was nothing there, you know. Empty warehouses. Yeah, there was like two bars. You know, we played the Bottle Rocket and we played Frankie's. (laughs) Bottle Rocket. And, uh, you know, City Lounge when that opened Mm. up. But, I mean, it was just like a wasteland. But I was still trying to trying to do this you know this thing you know yeah i seem to have kind of a handle on right now but <laughs> well, I'd say um so. yeah so i think in that aspect i think the fact that there's so many more venues and then as far as like the arts community you know there's a couple of standout artists but there is a lot of like galleries and displays and stuff like that which a lot of the art that's being displayed around i really don't get yeah <laughs> right on um i'm a little bit more of a classicist when it comes to that stuff you know it's like i i i am more impressed by technique than i am like an experimentation in like color contrast you hmm. know i really don't give a shit about a jackson pollock or anything yeah. like that yeah 
like Mary likes Rothko. I think Rothko's horse shit, but <laughs> so, but so that's you, just me. So you like you would rather see the a beautifully painted picture of fruit than like some kind no, of no. Like, see, that's the thing. I also don't like like the Flemish. You know, the masters. I'm not mm-hmm. a big fan of that either. Mm-hmm. I like you know like guys. Uh, Chuck Close is one of my favorite painters. Uh, and he was like a super realist from the 70s, but then when he lost the use of his legs, he started doing like more of like a, uh, he was doing paintings with thumbprints and stuff, but it was oh, just okay. like incredible, incredible work. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So what about... There's, who's the other dude that I like out of Chicago? That Jeremy, Jeremy Gettys. Mm-hmm. That dude has technique for fucking days, and it is like almost like an adaptation of a picture but it's post-apocalyptic so like a majority of them are like cosmonauts that have fallen back to earth and like are dead and like hanging from like destroyed buildings and stuff but the technique like is on point right right that's cool yeah i like that i have to check that out i don't know much about painting um i was just sort of uh, just the arts community, I, I guess I was just using arts community as a blanket for, like, everything, like music mm. and everything that's kind of going on now. And, sure. And the fact that there is, like, more places to play, there's more there's more places for people to express themselves and to make a living doing mm. it. Um, and I think, and you know, the, I was and I think of, also there's been more people that have been – Probably not as much as like when you left. There was a ton of bands that were putting out original material. Yeah. You know, but it was mostly like punk and hard rock stuff back then. Now we have people that are putting out original music and it's being more accepted. Not that it, I don't know if the music is more mainstream, but it's, it seems to be more accepted by the masses in Toledo. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's not uncommon to go and see like, you know, guys that are normally like cover cover band thing, like doing acoustic sets and playing original music and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it, it, it's just interesting, you know, because mm. like I kind of um, because I've kind of seen this growth not just in Toledo and like I've been traveling a lot in the past few years, and you kind of just see like these different towns, and you go like you go to these cities and you talk to the like musicians and stuff, and they and they all say the same thing in the last like. 10, 15 years there's just been this explosion of creativity and so, and so it's sort of something that's happening everywhere mm-hmm. at, all at once and it's just interesting to me and i don't you know it I could be technology as well i think a lot of that can be a trade you know you can do a great recording inside your house yeah and you know there's plenty of people that have gotten their music out there like shovels and rope they recorded i think that first or second album they recorded in just hotel rooms and stuff like that and yeah. then that ended up winning tons of awards and selling a shit ton of stuff yeah. just because the technology is available for them to you know not paying you know for a huge studio to, you know to record your stuff and it's, right. i think that's why you know like spotify is huge with you know thousands more bands and i'll ever even probably have a chance to listen to right it, you know and well, and it's also made music very disposable as well. Whereas, like, I mean, I'll listen to it. I'll be I'll find this awesome band, and I'll just listen the shit out of their album. And then, like, a month later, I'm just like, can't remember who the fuck, <laughs> right? Or, or it just doesn't exist anymore in my brain. You know, like I've yeah. already onto this next thing. So it kind of makes music a little bit more just like content. You know, people are just 
it's like content they're just putting it out putting it out putting it out and i don't know yeah but the true gems will stick in your head it's true it's true and and um I mean, you know, and more and more now, I just find myself listening to the stuff that I was listening to when I was a kid. You know, it's, it's weird. I mean, I, I love listening to new music, but I always gravitate back to those, you know, albums that mm-hmm. were very important to me. I started pulling some of that out because I think I'm doing Hank some injustice. My son's name's Hank. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've exposed him to all this, like, newer music that I enjoy, but I, I have forgotten to, like, give him the foundations mm-hmm. of rock and roll and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. I realized the other day I'd never played from Black Sabbath before, and I was like, "What the hell is wrong?" Like, I'm, I'm failing as a as a parent. <laughs> and like even before that, like uh, like a couple months ago, I had, uh, had realized that he had never heard ZZ Top before, oh, and I was shit. like, "Holy moly, <laughs> we got it! We got there's a lot more listening that we need to do." Gotta take him down to Lagrange, man. <laughs> right, take right. him down there. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that bit like. Uh, that's what's so great about like just vinyl in general is just like having that physical thing that like once you buy it's yours Mm -hmm. it's not like spotify once you stream it, i haven't done one digital download oh yeah Uh, no what and why is that uh i don't know yeah because i just never set it up i'm not on spotify i'm not on pandora yeah but i sell about a thousand cds a year just out of the back of the van um but I guess when we put the new album out, we're going to be releasing all my backlogged stuff on Spotify, maybe. <laughs> if, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing to do. I'm, I'm torn because I'm building this fan base in other parts of the world that would like to have an opportunity to hear more of my music. Mm. But then I also don't feel like getting paid peanuts for all the work that I do on this stuff, I- you know? I understand, and, that. and that's the that's the crux that I've that I've been at for for years is trying to decide what's the best way to go about managing this you know this income stream, right? And like now it's like, should I think about it like instead of the fact that I'm losing money for everything that goes out there, should I just like be thankful that I'm getting a check for three dollars <laughs> that I wouldn't have gotten, right? I wouldn't yeah. have gotten anyway. I mean, I have some friends that are doing well on it and like, you know, friends that, you know, live out in New York and they're able to pay their rent with their mailbox money, but I need to get onto a couple more soundtracks or something to get, yeah. to get that shit done. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I see your problem. And I think that's a lot of, uh, I think a lot of musicians are in that. I mean, I, I heard this interview with, um, not Joe Perry. Maybe it is Joe Perry. Um, Either Joe Perry or um, Gene Simmons. Um, either way, they're like, "Fuck Spotify," and you know, "Fuck Napster," because they, you know, there's like, they're like literally missing out on millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, you know, fucking, you're not Joe Perry. And thankfully, I'm not Gene Simmons because <laughs> that dude is a world class asshole. <laughs> And uh, Kiss is the worst band ever. They're just terrible. How the fuck did they even get the makeup? That's all it is. They're a party band dressed up as a heavy metal band. It's the same thing that fucking Ghost is now. I keep Mm. telling everybody, like, that band Ghost, are you hip to those guys at all? Um, Is it the guys that are just dressed like popes or monks or something like that? No, I'm thinking of a different band. Never mind. Yeah. But they're using a shtick. And their music maybe isn't the greatest. No. But but since they have this whole 
act together. And the and their their look is cool. And like Kiss's look was cool back yeah, in the day. Totally. But then when you look at the, if you listen to their music without knowing what that band looked like, you would never in a million years associate it with these clowns. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ICP is another one. <laughs> now that you're saying clowns. Right. <laughs> which, fuck, dude. I felt like at one point the whole East Side was nothing but ICP fans. Sure. Um, I got to get out of the East Side. Um, the, um, well, wh- well, I guess where I was going at was like for for an artist that is like on the, making all this money as being rich and fame, notoriety. It's not working out in their favor, but for artists who are independent like you or like me, like it's a way to reach people, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's where, where that's where that's 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 where the trade off is. Is right. like, do you want to reach all these people, or do you wanna, do you want to <laughs> make a living? <laughs> right. I would rather be rich than famous. I understand that. Um, Actually, I don't even need to be rich. We're doing all right. You just want to be able to make a living and like be mm-hmm. comfortable and go to a restaurant and order whatever you want without having to be worried about how much it's going to cost at the end. Oh, I'm always worried about how much it's going to cost. Oh, you do? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in that same boat. But like, that's like, I don't want excess. I just want to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, that's, I don't think that's too much to ask if you're really putting in the work and sure. really doing. I mean, like, you're obviously doing the work. And I mean, personally, I would love to see your stuff on Spotify, but I mean, I also love buying CDs off of artists. Like, I also like going out and buying their vinyl. Like, mm. I have no problem paying cover to go see an artist. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right, right. I know what that is, but I also like to be able to fucking like, oh, I'd lo- what else do they got? You know? And so going in the back catalog, because I think I heard some of your songs just on Reverb Nation. So mm. that's like one of the only places I really found your stuff. And YouTube, you got some nice videos up yeah. there. Um, do you have you gotten any checks off YouTube? I mean, because you got a few Uh-oh. thousand hits. Really? Oh, you should monetize your shit. Yeah. Oh wait. I don't even know how to do that shit. Well, that's 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 where we're at now with technology is like monetization, uh, trying to figure out how to get that. But YouTube actually just changed their model because it used to be anybody could monetize anything, and now you have to have like ten thousand subscribers in order oh, to wow. even monetize it now. I think I got like twelve thousand hits on one video. I think. Yeah, you totally do. Yeah, well, I know little little elephant was getting your credit for. Yeah, but now I've I think I've paid them, and I have the new the new recordings I own. Gotcha. Oh, did you have like a, a thing with a label or something? No, they had uh, they were doing like these live sessions at their recording studio, but they put them under their little. It was free to go in there and do it, but they were putting it under their their YouTube oh, thing. I see, I see. Yeah. Okay, so they're gonna be getting the money for that. Right, right, okay, right. Okay, gotcha. Well, well there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think like for artists like you, like who are like genuine artists doing like awesome work and doing you know like putting in the time. I think, just in my opinion, that it would benefit you even if you're not getting that income you want. You still are. Uh, you still are out there working. You're working the road. And I mean, do you do you ever not want to be on the road? Is like that the idea, or do you always like to? Do you want to? Just no, we. I don't like to be gone too long because of the kids. Right. So I mean, when Hank's older, when he's like an adult or whatever we'll probably be on the road all the freaking time so you love the road 
I think it's neat seeing a bunch of different stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. right now we're on the road like three, four months out of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. You still enjoy it, right? Yeah, I enjoy it more in Europe than I do in Europe, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right? Oh, Europe. Um, well, and, and I think that's that's where having your stuff on Spotify w- would help you. I gain a lot more weight on tour in the States than I do in Europe. Well, it, because Europe fucking outlawed all that bullshit. Like, you can't have any of that bullshit in your food there. Like, here <laughs> right. it's all, they, yeah, throw it in. Like, right, right. toxic waste. Yeah, yeah corn all, syrup. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Plastic GMO. yoga mats. <laughs> Put yoga mats in your fucking McRib. Uh, so, <laughs> um, you, uh, you, know, you know what I noticed about being on the road is, like, I like to work out. I like to eat healthy. I like, you know, I like to have energy. I like to be able to function, and my head works way better when I'm doing that. But for some reason, anytime I'm on the road, it's like all that goes the hell. <laughs> right. And like, it's just and like, when we t- when mean, we tour through Mississippi, like every gas station has fried chicken. chicken. So <laughs> even if I'm not hungry, I'm like, yeah, I'll take a two piece dark. Duh. You know what the fuck? Like that's yeah, because because even though it's at some shitty little gas station and like whatever on the outskirts of Memphis, it's still like amazing. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't know why I think that you can't. And I always come back like sick, sad, fat. <laughs> like just we just went to Annapolis and it was just for a funeral for our her side of the family and we were just there. First of all, it was like nothing but soul food. It was just like just fried everything and chicken and waffles, all that mm-hmm. shit. So and it was all home cooking. So I was like, I'm not passing this shit up. Right. <laughs> you know? uh, but then it's just like when we're not around the family, we're eating like shit and we were gone for two days. And, like, I got into town last night at 2 a.m., and I stopped at McDonald's. <laughs> and, and, like, I'd never eat McDonald's, but it was the only thing open on Navarre Avenue. And I fucking got I – got, I got a double quarter pounder with cheese. Yes. I got a large fries, and I got a sausage and egg McMuffin. Nice. I fucking – You got to sprinkle a little a.m. on your p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, yeah. Oh Did you finish it? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh no, I, I am not a quitter. Um, oh. I I will finish it to the end. Um let's I really like the song, um, and I'm gonna ruin the name because my memory is dog shit. Um Mama's not gonna like Mama's this song. gonna hate this song. I, I just wanna play that song if you right don't on. mind. Yeah, yeah. I really like that song. Sure. Because that resonates with me so well. <laughs> so let's listen to that song and then um, we can wrap up unless you have anything else. Oh, that's good with me. All right. So we're gonna listen to Mama's gonna hate this song. Okay, and we'll be right back. She didn't raise me to be an outlaw. Teach me to use my fists. She didn't want me to grow up like the boys down the road. Just another fucking misfit. I swore to the Lord I tried and I tried, but that didn't help me along. God forgive me if she hears this Mama's gonna hate this song Getting thrown out the bar on a weekday For running my mouth too long Snorting a bunch of shit with the fellas Picking on my favorite song Pulling out my gun and howling at the moon I didn't think I'd live this long God forgive me if she hears this 
mama's gonna hate this song Arrested again last Thursday Just another drummed up case Getting kinda used to these handcuffs This sells like my second place I just turned in to get some sleep When I heard a laugh from across the jail She said, Andrew, this is your mama Now who's gonna go my bail? She got thrown out the bar on a weekday Martini lunch had lasted too long Got in a fight with the maitre d' Cause he got her reservations wrong Pulling off her heels and howling at the moon I never thought she ever did wrong But God forgive me if she hears this Mama's gonna hate this song that night we spent in the slammer Living our country in western song And we're back. That's a great song. And um, that that seems like that's your, like, that sweet balance where you're, like, storytelling. And, that one definitely is a storyteller like, song. You know, and... That one, I, I was. That's the first country song that I ever wrote, and I was like, I wanted to uh, essentially write something like David Allen Coe, but without all the racism, yeah. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> without all the overt, <laughs> overt racism. Right, yo, and that was like one of the first songs I ever heard by you, and so like it immediately drew me in, and that's why I was like, oh, like Merle Haggard and like sure, David sure. Allen Coe is of that generation. But without all the reasons, <laughs> which you know what those fucking songs are good. Like they're so, like I hate saying that. I'm married to a black girl. My son's black, but those songs like are good. Like the music's good. The content is awful, but like the music is so good. Like the production dude, is so good. Dude, years ago, and that's Warren Haynes playing on a lot of that. Oh, that's playing, son playing of guitar. A bitch. I know, right? God damn it! So years ago, I worked at this bar. And I would throw in like cum stains on your pillow or something like that <laughs> towards the end of the night, like yeah. some of this shit. And I remember my buddy Antoine's son was working there. He was like 18, 19 years old at the time. And he was like, man, what was that fucking song that you played the other night? I want to go and look it up. And, like not even thinking about it. I was like, oh, David Allen Coe. So like a day or two later, he comes into work and he was like, man, man. I was like, what the fuck you in? <laughs> right? And I didn't even think of it. Like it didn't even dawn on me. Right. They're like it was gonna be all that like Johnny Rebel type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean David Allen Coe. I mean he's a he's a genius in his from own Ohio. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course he is. I was just reading about. Um, I know I said I was gonna end, but it just came up. I was for some reason last night me and my wife just got really interested in like the history of different cities and shit. And we were on the road and we're just trying to entertain ourselves. So I'm reading like Wikipedia's. In Ohio, um, though it was never really a slave state, um, they definitely had militias <laughs> lined up to make sure that 
uh, freed slaves were not allowed to cross mm -hmm. um, because they didn't want them taking their jabs. <laughs> and uh, so there is like this rich history of. <laughs> There, there's like, a, there's a long there's a long argument of discussion on where actually the uh, the Mason Dixon line was and you know it's it's the the Yankees assumption that it was the Ohio River but yeah. there's like there's a, I don't the, the, the it seems a little bit further north it was it definitely was I mean it was like almost all the way to fucking Canada and it was a lot of people. My, my the house that I grew up in had a secret room for the uh, for uh, runaway Railroad. slaves yeah for underground railroads yeah well yeah. in Ohio was and like that and that's the other side of the coin is like Ohio had this fucking crazy network of of rail uh, of underground railroad spots and conductors people who were conducting these and <clears throat> yet they're just like still very like no you stay out you know <laughs> uh, and it, like and like me and my wife came to the conclusion is like there were so many uh underground railroads it was only to get them out of Ohio, so they didn't have to deal with. <laughs> Send them to Detroit. Send them to Detroit. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's where they went. And hey, you know. And but look at the beautiful music that came out of there. Sure. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Andrew, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, man. thank I you. I really appreciate it, and uh, I really appreciate your openness and being cool with me, letting me in your house. Yeah, with yeah. Your children. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so um, that sure. was really nice. Um, and uh, when's the new album coming up? Soon. I got to finish. Uh, I'm thinking I'm going to finish up writing the liner notes tonight and then probably have it sent out within the next day or two. So Fun. as soon as easy disc can shoot me out a thousand of those and uh -huh. we'll be uh, in business. At the idiot. And that's, mm. that's like your spot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I've been playing the idiot for years. It's always been, that's been such a cool place. Yeah. Like even, even yeah. Anyway, uh, okay, cool. And you can find you got a website, people. No, maybe? not anymore. Just Facebook page. Okay, so yeah. Facebook, uh, Andrew Ellis. Yeah, okay. or YouTube or wherever. Google it, Andrew Ellis. Fucking fantastic guy, and uh, I like his stuff. So <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, okay. Bye. What I say? What did I say? Andrew Ellis, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mary, for chiming in. I hope you folks enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed the music. Go and just Google Andrew Ellis Toledo or go to his Reverb Nation page. There's music up there. Um, hopefully, Andrew will put it on Spotify and Apple Music so it can be a little bit more widely spread. Um, but what I realized was, is that he told me that he doesn't really care for people's opinions. And then I, uh, immediately tell him my opinion on what he should do with his music. So <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, host, uh, fuck up one one there. Um, don't, don't go, uh, in the opposite direction of what the guest said, uh, Ugh, never mind. That just sounded terrible. <laughs> Go to WeSpeakEnglishGood.com or .net. I'm sorry. Uh, I did actually receive an email that WeSpeakEnglishGood.com is now available again. But fuck that. Go to WeSpeakEnglishGood.net um, or write the show at WeSpeakEnglishGood at gmail.com. Friend me on Instagram at WeSpeakEnglishGood. 
or Mikey P, Mike Epp on Facebook, and We Speak English Good on Facebook. All that good shit. Let me know what's going on, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, oh, wait a second. Um, this Sunday, if you are in the Toledo area, me and Rainer will be playing the Old West End Festival um, on the Art Fair stage on Sunday, June 2nd, I think, whatever day Sunday is, um, from 3 to 4 p.m. So if you're in the area, stop through. And like I said, Andrew plays, uh, whenever he's in town, he plays the Village Idiot every Wednesday. And um, I, I and he plays everywhere around here, so you can always catch a gig of Andrew um, and catch up soon because he's gonna be gone in a few weeks or something to Europe. So, anyways, be good to your fellow human beings. HJ's for everybody. Bye. Fresh.